Screw it. <laughs> do it. We'll do it live. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I put up a, a story saying, hey, if you were to sit down with Brian HBK and have a beer, what would you ask him about? Uh-oh. And there was a pretty consistent thread of interest. So I think... Why um, do you talk funny? <laughs> God, that's a great movie. Uh, I think what we'll do is we'll break the mold and okay. jump right in and talk about jujitsu right off the bat. Sure. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Pohada Podcast, fourth episode and the fourth edition of the Booze with a Black Belt series. As you heard there, my guest this time around is Brian Hollenbeck. He's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu under Pedro Sauer at the Academy in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, an instructor at M-Theory Jiu-Jitsu in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. He's also the bassist, singer, and key sex appeal for the world-renowned hair metal band Hairball, a world-class father, and I'm grateful to say a good friend of mine who was willing to sit down and talk with me about all those things. A few notes before we move forward. As usual, a huge shout-out to Kathy and Polly Brooks for hosting our conversation. Reminder that thanks to our podcast sponsor, 5 Watt Coffee, I can buy you a coffee in exchange for writing the podcast a funny five-star review on Apple Podcasts. 5 Watt Coffee is the reigning intercontinental champ of coffee. And finally, a big shout out to John Grills of the Jiu-Jitsu After Dark podcast and the Small Town Horror podcast for some hot technical tips prior to this episode. Hopefully you'll notice the improvements in sound quality here and in future episodes. And without further ado, my conversation with Brian Hollenbeck. I like Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah, you do? I do. Are you a fan of Jiu-Jitsu? Do, um, do you know what I mean by that? I'm sorry, do you know what I mean by that? I think so. Like you follow the sport, if you will? Um... To an extent. Again, to what extent? Well, you know, it was interesting listening to your first three, you know, episodes, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and interesting to see the, you know, the different kind of people and different types of practitioners. Because, um, you know, following the sport of it, you know, that's about competition and and, you know, who has the new this and who does that and who's, you know, and that's, um, you know, I don't compete a lot. I never competed a lot. It's, um, and even though I would tell anybody new, you know, who says, how do I get, you know, how do I improve the fastest? You know, uh, if you compete, that's, you know. That's probably a good thing. Give me another option. Uh, well, right. <laughs> you know, and I used to, um, you know, and even I, and I know what's good for me, but I don't do it. Mm. And even before I, you know, went full time as a touring musician, you know, I didn't do it all of the time. It's just not what, it's just not what thrills me you know it's just not super my thing it's not what i doesn't spark joy got into it for you know um to me and for me martial arts is a lifestyle and i've done it you know off and on since i was a little kid you know and just it's an attitude it's a way of life it's a you know and so that whole thing isn't my thing and i've seen people 
who love that, and that's great. Hey, you know, that's your thing. Um, you know, but I, my goal is to be, you know, 90 and still crawling out on, crawling out onto the mat and having some new, you know, young, you know, whoever going, hey, do you want to roll? And, you know, and going, yep, let's go. You sure know, because that's what I, I mean, that's kind of my thing, you know, and so competition and following the sport of it is good. Ooh. Sure, whatever. I'm, you know, surprise me, Polly. It's all good. I got to say that the, when people say martial arts is a lifestyle, it sounds super intimidating. Like you hear a guy break down a match. I think in it sounds douchey. No, I'll, I'll give you that too. <laughs> And like, I feel douchey when I say it. No, I, and I understand what you're saying, but it's like, my lifestyle. I, <laughs> it it seems it feels throwback to like old school Japanese martial arts, and it just seems more intimidating than some guy talking about a sport where they both sat down and twinkled toes at each other and grabbed their shirts. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but being hyperbolic about all of it, but like that Absolutely. sentence, I, I immediately I'm I'm far more suspicious of you than I would be of like Marcus. <laughs> you both, you know, would throw me around. But I'm immediately like, oh. Well, and you know, I would guess, um, and I thought it when I first met Marcus, however long ago that was. It was a while ago. Um, you know, yeah, you're going to probably get your black belt, and you're going to probably be around. You'll probably own a gym someday. Mm-hmm. You'll probably do all those things. But, you know, I've seen plenty of other guys come in and out, you know, and they got – uh, you know, they were super into competition, you know, maybe even they fought and they, this, that, the other thing. And, you know, now I see those guys, I'm still friends with them on, you know, social media and Mm -hmm. they don't do anything anymore. And, you know, I won't ever have the, the high that they had of like, you know, doing it full time. Like, no, I got jobs and, you know, I got a kid and, and I got family and I have all of those other things as well. So I can't train six mm-hmm. days a week. You yeah. know, it just, you know, but my goal and my plan all along as to, you know, when I first found jujitsu was like, oh yeah. And I can do that, you know, till I'm, you know, 70, 80 years old. And I intend to, you know, that it was, was like a deep breath of life that you hadn't really. Yeah. And when you meet somebody like Dick Katasek, mm-hmm. you know, and I, uh, and I met him when I went back to the Academy in 2002 and started jujitsu. Um, you know, he was there and I met him, you know, right away because, well, it was small. There was probably. I don't know, 30 of us there who trained, and everybody, that was everybody it. Everybody knows everybody when it's a small group. Right, you know. Small town effect. Yep, and uh, I was like, wow, I guess I can never say, well, I'm too old. <laughs> I'm too old for this. Shut, look at Dick. You know, he's already old, and, you know, he got. <laughs> if I recall, Ishmael said he started at like 45 or 50 years old or something like that. Yeah. Or later. Yep. Right. You know, and he's got a judo background. 
Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. And, um, but, you know, he tested for his black when I got my brown belt. And so I was, I was his partner. And he got it from Pedro. And, you know, Pedro makes everybody, when you get your black belt, you have to do all of the Helio Gracie self-defense from the book. And he sits there on the mat with the book and flip, show me, you know, uh, rear choke defense, two hands, da-da-da-da, flips the page. Show me one hand choke defense, wrist bent. Show me one hand choke defense, wrist bent, you know, and flips the page. and, And you sit there. Going through the textbook. Right. And so I basically had to, to do all of that with him when I got my brown belt and, but it, uh, you know, he, I've always looked at as like, yeah, I want to, I want to be like that guy. Yeah. You know, and, and he's competed here and there, you know, as have I, but, um, you know, it's just like, no, that's a lifestyle. That's, that's, you know, it's not trendy. It's not just because I'm, you know, wanting to be tough or I, you know, want to get in shape or I want to do this or that. Like it goes through all of the, you know, stages of your life and, and changes and it's always there or it always returns or, it, you know, so that's always kind of been my thing. You said you, when you went back to the academy in 2002 and started jujitsu? Yeah. So I actually first went to the academy, um, shortly after it opened in like 94 and they didn't even have jujitsu yet. It was just Muay Thai and some Kali and some other stuff that when Greg left the Kali group and left out on his own and opened up the academy, then it was called the Minnesota Martial Arts Academy. Um, I went there for just a little while, and you know that was right as I was right as, right as I was graduating from college and really the band I was in was trying to make a push and you know it just for whatever reasons it just um I left and then um yeah then 2001 2002 I was uh, a friend of mine who was still there was like we got jujitsu now you know and I you know so you knew about it. You were familiar with jiu-jitsu. You just hadn't really had access previous to it. Yeah, because, you know, in 2002, there wasn't, you know, there was one school. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, the Warriors Cove was around, I think, um, then. Well, I know that it was, um, you know, but they kind of did a different kind of thing. And, you know, um, but like that was about it, you know, and... Like most of us, you know, I watched the UFCs and went, yeah. oh, what is that? Mm-hmm. I got to learn how to do that. And um, went in, signed up for the, the trial, went twice in the first day. Um, <laughs> and uh, there's your indicator as to how this I is I took the go. evening class from Ish and the day class I took from Tom Schmitz, who owns Sp- Barton, uh, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. he was the day instructor and Ish was the night instructor. So one of your first or your first day experience was with Ishmael. Yep. Then. 
and uh you know because greg had just gotten sick i think for the second time then and um so he was off and um just about died a couple times in in that time and um but yeah i mean i did two classes in my first day and was like oh you, yes this is you know did you come back the next day pretty sure i probably did that seems like you probably did yeah well it was great i was just i was working not too far from there and so i had worked it out with my boss and was like hey can i take my lunch because they had morning class and morning class was at like 11 so i was like can i take my lunch and you know i'll you know it's an hour class and over there i'll probably be you know an hour and a half so I'll come in early, I'll stay a little bit later, but if I can go in the middle of the day, and they're like, eh, who cares what, it, you know, sure. And so it was great, you know, I could train more, which, you know, early on is, well, which uh, in jujitsu, you know, hours, it's hours on the mat. Yeah, you know? repetition. Yep, it's rep that thing a thousand here. times. Yeah. Uh, as long so, as you don't, you know, miss that memo about your TPS reports. You know, as long as you stay on task at work, that uh, I, f- I figure any job should let you go train jujitsu. Uh, yeah. Um, we're going to need you to come back from lunch, Brian, not with a black eye. That'd be great. Thanks. It wasn't deliberate. It was an elbow. He didn't mean to do it. Oh, I've had more than one fight club stories at work where you show but, up. Uh, y- y- <laughs> Yes. That's what it is, right? They just, you show up and they look at you like, why do you do that? <laughs> you know, and, you know, in those days, nobody knew what it was. Yeah, zero, you know? zero context. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I remember I got my ankle popped um, a week before my purple belt test. And, you know, I remember going to urgent care. It was a Saturday morning. And I remember driving to urgent care and the doctor just goes, you did what? I go, well, I got straight ankle locked. A, a what? I go, well, I do jujitsu and I do, th- what's that? I go, well, it's kind of like wrestling, but you, you know, he, what happened? And I explained, you know, that he fell. He st- That's when you just say, I, I fell off my bike. Can you just take me up? Yeah. So I'm like, my- it bent the wrong way. Can you <laughs> You know, will you at least x-ray it, you know, because it blew up about the size of a volleyball, you know. And I was only freaked out because I'm like, God, I got a test next week. Yeah. You know, shit. How'd that test go? Well, they didn't flunk me, so (laughs) it was fine, but. It's kind of a pass-fail thing, isn't it? It is. Yeah. You know, I was worried, though. I was freaking out because it blew up just gigantic. Right, right. Yeah. Smooth. That's good. Yeah. What, what's he drinking there, Polly? Pineapple jalapeno margarita. Oh, I forgot my festive wallclings I joked about getting. You're like, I mostly just drink on vacation. I was like, well, I'll get some palm tree wallclings yeah, and we'll make I, it feel like vacation. That's kind of, yeah. I mean, that is my thing. I don't, uh, I don't do it much, but I do do it on vacation. Why don't you drink? Other than like you're a grown adult with sensible logic abilities yeah. and care about your health and longevity. But. 
Yeah, probably no other reason. Yeah, just that. You're, you're a grown-ass man. Good for you. <laughs> Me and Polly withering away over here. But, yeah, I heard, I think it was during the Kevin interview, I think you were like, yeah, you know, guys like Rocco, and I think, I think Brian, he, yeah. he might have been around, yeah, um, Rocco was, Rocco was a white belt when I started, no stripe, I think we got our blue belts and our purple belts together. Both up at the academy, obviously. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Ish was a purple belt at the time. And, uh, yeah, so that was 02, so 19 years ago. Who, who else has been around that long? Like, uh, who else that I would know, like, from well, M-Theory and Minnesota Top Team, let's say? Who else would I recognize um, from 18? Tao started not too long. He he was right around the same time. Um, Again, Schmitz was there. He was a blue belt um, at the time. And I'm trying to think who else... I dig deep water. Like I dig that. Yeah. You know, Jiu-jitsu is a deep thing anyway, but now you're, we're to the point where there's like some serious years behind some people's It's interesting. I like it. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. There was a time as the sport grew here, as the art grew here, um, you know, most of the gym owners all were like guys that started <laughs> in that original kind of group from sure. the well, yeah, yeah. academy. You know, Damien, who opened Alliance, you know, he was from there. Uh, he was in the original group. He was one of the few. I think we had like five or six purple belts. And he was one of them. Ish was one of them. Um, Damien's kind of partner, Clint, um, was one of them. And then there were two other like daytime guys. And I think that was about it. You know, there's probably 10 or 12 blue belts and the rest of us newbies who, you know, kind of came and went because it was not, it, it was not a, it was not a, a newbie friendly thing back then. There were no foundations class where we don't kill you. No, you just, yeah, yeah. you know, and it was a, a small slice of us who actually, for whatever reason, enjoyed getting completely mm -hmm. pounded on every day and barriers to entry were higher yes you know so do you, do you think that's um i see parallel parallels in that regard to like a lot of the sports i've and pursuits i've spent a lot of time in like powerlifting and stuff and you know it's, it is one of those things in like the 80s and 90s to get in with a group of power lifters to learn to train and do the things that you want to do for this sport that you couldn't find at any of those gyms that you went to. Right. You know, you're in like a basement or a garage way, way back. But it was a kind of a rugged culture, kind of like what you're alluding to. Like you show up and you kind of suffer through it and just try to keep up with all these plates slinging on the bar. Same kind of thing with jujitsu. Right. Yeah. Do you think that is... I'm assuming your answer is kind of political. Like, yeah, there's merit to it, but there's also merit to a little more beginner-friendly approach. Well, it doesn't or... make good business sense. Absolutely. Again, the owner of Lifetime, probably a lot more, uh, a lot better off than the guy who owned the garage you were in. I mean, right? Yeah, yeah, right? So, uh, you know. So let me let me reframe that original question. So you think like kind of the more rugged early culture is altogether disadvantageous to a more friendly beginner friendly i think you'll always have it right I, I mean because god i sounded like marcus there didn't i right right um you didn't sound like marcus <laughs> you sounded like ishmael bentley <laughs> right 
Um, I think it's all part of the art because you'll have, you know, again, there's something for everybody. You know, you have the guys who, you know, want to train full time. They're young. They want to compete. They want to be on the cutting edge of everything. And awesome. I know when I go in and rolling with those guys, that makes me better. Um, but it's perfectly great to have the guys who go, you know, I'm going to train because I just want to feel safe in the world. Awesome. I completely understand that aspect. Um, you know, you get people for any number of reasons. You know, I'm an MMA guy. I got to learn how to fight on the ground. Okay. Well, we can help you do that too. You can't just stand up. <laughs> right. Exactly. No. Oh, I don't know why I love that. No, I just stand up. Just stand up. Chuck Liddell did it. Well, what's his name? We corrected the name on that. The, uh, the just stand up. The balls was hot guy. Derek Lewis or Derek? Yeah. Oh. yeah. But it like worked for him at a high level for a long time. I'll just stand up and he did. Anyway, sorry. Until Daniel Carmier chucked him out. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, so it's great. You have those those people too you know and as long as whoever is running the gym does a good job of of creating a culture where yep that's great but you do that with with those guys and not letting them ruin the experience of you know the mom or the dad of the kid in kids class who goes you know I'm here all the time I might as well learn too hey this is you know, hey, this is cool, and, you know, I want to learn it too. It's a great art. You know, and again, something that you can do and start in your 40s, start in your 50s, and not, you know, like, probably not going to start Thai boxing in your 50s. Man, I mean, you might. That's a bumpy road, it But seems that's like. probably a pretty small percentage of yeah. people who are going to start Thai boxing in their 50s. Yeah, and you know, stay so you out of get your way. eggs scrambled. Stay out of that person's way because that's a dangerous human being. Uh, yeah. Just mindset alone, you know? <laughs> exactly. So, um, and there should be room for everybody, and it's fine. You know, I think that's we why we have all... two mats. Right. Yeah. Oh, you got a tournament coming up? You go over there, you savages. Yeah. The rest of us are going to be over here. Train hard, competition, training. Going to go hard, you know? Maybe you don't go to that night. Don't go, hey, you, don't come on Sunday because <laughs> it's just going to hurt. I've been afraid to ask to come take pictures on Sunday. <laughs> I was just hanging out watching you, man. The windows are all fogged up. That's, oof. Yeah. I don't know. You know, and that's just fine. You know, that's what mm. foundations class is for. Probably not a good business model, but again, if you're successful enough and you have enough students and enough people, you're going to get a certain amount of those guys. And or girls, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's fine too. You just have to know, as the as the owner, as the operator of the gym, how to create the right culture, and you know, harness that energy for good and not evil. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> Lord, I hope so. You you're the first person I've chatted with um, who has a kid or any kids. 
as deliberate, like it's an important thing. Like there's demographic things that I want to sit here and chat sure. with people with different life experiences and stuff. What, what do you call him? Wonder Boy? The Boy Wonder. The Boy Wonder. Yeah. How old is he? He just turned 22. So he was like two or one when you started training jujitsu. He was four when I started, four or five. Oh, man, did you expose my math skills? No. Wait. Oh. Yeah, no, no, no. No, you're right. I am? I can't add. Yeah. I'll take it. No, you're I'm right. I'm taking it. That's a win. Yeah, I think he was, like, yep, I think he was two and a half. So and, that's, that's um, a different experience, and you already referenced it. Like, you know, you got the job, you got a family and whatever, you know. I mean, like, again, going back to, like, Marcus thing, you know, he's a kid. Right. He doesn't have a mortgage. He doesn't have, you know, a family or a kid or whatever it is to, to yeah. worry about. It's an entirely different experience for you than what it was for him, right? Absolutely. And mine probably even a little bit different than most of the other people mm-hmm. with kids at the gym. You know, I was a, I was a single parent because um, his mom died when he was five. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm sorry. And so... I all of a sudden now I have to to deal with this this gigantic tragedy and mm-hmm. you know how do you help a five year old through that you know right. nobody writes a well probably probably somebody yeah. wrote a book but I didn't yeah, read it I'm sure I'm sure there's um you know so you know that was a messed up thing to have to deal with and then you know train on Brian you know, and so he he got very used. I mean, it was pretty much Greg's kid <laughs> and my kid. You know, mm. and you know he was there a lot, and um, you know he grew up around there. He practiced for a while. You know, he did it from about six to well, five or six to I don't know, probably eleven or twelve. Jiu Jitsu. Yeah. Okay. And. uh you know, then other sports and his friends, you know, living a half hour from the gym, you know, his friends weren't going to be kids in the kids class who were going at that time, you know, especially, you know, it was still a little bit smaller. So the kids who were there, you know, probably lived in the area. Well, you know, he didn't, he didn't live in the area and, you know, you get to, middle school age and you know football and lacrosse and all of that was was more important and you know and so that's where his his he know, branched off and that's where his social group was landing right like the kids in his neighborhood or the kids at his yep. school yeah, yeah so but yeah he grew up he spent a lot of time at the gym and you know i have a lot of memories of those years you know training and teaching the kids classes and you know, and um, in those years, the academy ran a tournament every year, and it was always humorous because as I would ref, you know, I would intentionally go to the furthest mat away from the kids' mats, which was just how he and I both liked it, you know, because he <laughs> felt a lot of pressure, yeah. you know, well, that's my dad, and, you know, uh and I'd be just like, just come tell me what happened afterwards. I don't, you know. And uh, that worked out for us. That, uh, you know, that was. <laughs> as long as you land on an arrangement, you know. Yep. It keeps the chaos out of it. But yeah, you know, so 
yeah, there was a lot to there's a lot for me to balance out. For sure. You know, and even after I got even after I got remarried, I was still very much a single parent with him. Um that's a whole other story. But you know, and so there was a lot to always balance there of, you know, family and the kid and you know, jobs and, you know, other business interests and training. Life is learning to juggle. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right? Some people got to have some implements on fire when they juggle or, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a harder deal for some. Yep. So, you know, but that's, yeah, I can't believe that. Wow. Not this summer, but next summer will be 20 years. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Aren't I 20 years old? How have I been doing that for 20 years? I right? know. That thing? It's like how the 80s is 20 years ago, right? I, Isn't the 80s 20 years ago? I don't know. It is in my head. No. <laughs> Same here, man. Halloween, capital of the world. Is it Noka? Mm-hmm. I like it. <laughs> Fact. Uh, apparently some... Apparently some businessman in like the 50s, like most small, medium-sized towns, you know, they had the all of the vandalism problems of the this and that. And to try to, to make it more of a positive thing, I think um, the story was that he looked it up and nobody else was the Halloween capital of the world. <laughs> so he's like, oh, we're going to be the Halloween capital of the world. And... You know, which was great as a kid. I mean, especially when Halloween existed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, it was the best because we would have, we had parades in our school. We had, um, and they still have the big Halloween parade every year, which is on a Saturday. But the Friday beforehand, there used to be the school parade. We'd all get hop on a bus. All of the elementary schools would go downtown. And you'd walk down Main Street in your costumes and they'd, yeah, like, you know, in high school, you got to, if if you were in the art class, you got to go down and businesses would let you go paint the storefront windows on Main Street with, you know, Halloween uh, stuff. And it was a big deal. It was fun. They used to sell Halloween beer, and what's Halloween beer? Well, every year there's a different can design, it's like a brand of the it's a branding thing primarily. Yeah, yep, yep, okay. absolutely. It's like and they sell shirts day. and buttons yeah. and you know. Yep. Yes. Yeah, I've even seen that. Okay, that's in my brain too. Yep. I got some things in my brain. It takes me a while sometimes. So, that's my growing up. You know what I fucking did? Let's get it on record. Yeah, I heard him through the speakers of these headphones that I'm using just to check the sound. And I was like, oh shit, man. I hate for it to be like a reverb thing happening. So I turned that off. It stopped the recording. Yeah, life is jujitsu. You're just learning stuff left and right. You know, you just you learn as you go. It and yeah, 
That That's why I said that in the little intro, one minute intro to the podcast. I'm like, um, this is in the spirit of jujitsu. We don't know what we're doing here, but we'll get better every time. We'll make it up as we go. Speaking of jujitsu, I did like that in the Jeremy interview where, you know, he was like commenting, you know, that it's important to have, you know, as an instructor, like to let people find their way and you know, do their thing and, you know, again, like De La Hiva or whoever, like at one point nobody was doing that, but he was allowed to go, well, what if I, what if I put my leg back there? Oh, well, what does that do for me? You know, and given the space and the time to, to go, oh, I can make that into something. And then, you know, and when that was new, that was, you know, oh. Oh my God, did you see that thing that he did and the thing in the foot and the hope and boom, and the guy goes down. <laughs> it's the greatest thing ever, <laughs> you know? And now that just seems so like, oh, well, white belts do that and, you know, whatever. And it's like, yeah, it wasn't always like that. Innovation requires freedom. Right. And I think that's true. That was well said. I think you mm-hmm. could hashtag that or something. It was, I don't know. It was- Talking with Jeremy was like boot camp and sound bites, man. He's just a he's just a repeating sound bite. It's awesome. So I was trying to be like, okay, how can I bumper sticker that idea? Uh, it's true though. I mean mm-hmm. you know, and as an instructor, I think it's important to to teach people this, but give them the freedom to find their way and find their game and find what works. Yeah. You know? It's fundamentally it's one of the best things about jujitsu that there is because you know and growing up doing traditional martial arts where it was these are the moves we haven't had any new moves in you know 3,000 years these are the moves these are the forms that you have to do to get your next belt and and all of that and you know and that was one of the things that I loved when I first started doing jujitsu that was like oh wait what you know here's a constantly changing thing and either you love that or you hate that right because there's a certain amount of people who go wait what you mean i can't i never stop learning i never i'm never the master reach the top of the mountain what the hell that's going to drive me insane you know so either you let that kill you or you embrace it and go yeah isn't it great yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, even if you're just selling yourself the brand, like I love yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, it has its times where it's going to drive you nuts. Yeah. You know, and that first, well, I don't know. You hear people say, "Yep, you know, for the first whatever." You'll hear them say, "One year, two years, two belts, three bay," you know, whatever it is. You know, you're going to get your ass handed to you. So just, you know, win or learn, which uh, I'm pretty sure you learn when you win, too. You're just always learning. Yeah. You know, because... It's phrased that way to sell it to people who aren't comfortable with the idea that they're going right. to get their ass handed to them. They're going to lose a little bit. So let's call it learning. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, that black eye. Your eye learned. <laughs> Elbows hurt. No. Um, you know, and it's just, you know, but that's great because, um, to take off on one of your interests, 
you know, lifting. God, I've tried several times in my life. It's not, I, it just does, my arms are too freaking long, my legs are too freaking long. Like that range, Yeah. you know, you guys were talking how, you know, the guy spreads everything way out so mm -hmm. the range doesn't have to be very big. Like, yeah, yeah that just doesn't it's work. It's a long way to go for like, Right. It works in your favor when you're trying to grab a hold of somebody. It does, right? And so the the game that I play is perfectly fine for me. Probably not the game that Marcus is going to play. Not the game that, you know, you're going to play, right? I mean, even though we're both tall and this and that, we're going to still, like, you're going to find what you do, I turtle. do. I'm going to find I, turtle. You're going to find just turtle. Just well, stay there. Just... <laughs> we all find our things, and that's okay. Trick is getting to mount from turtle. It's the only two things that give me any kind of respite. So yeah, you'll get there. It's uh, but like it's uh, there's some you can find your game, you know. And sometimes you make your own game, you know. I mean, there's there are things that I do that I had never seen before that I just got to because I kept getting stuck in this spot you, you know early on um you know in the old days with a with such a small number of people like you went to class and you knew exactly how you were going to get your ass handed to you every night it's not just well i'm new and i'm gonna go to class and you know i get my ass handed to me but i don't know you know there's 30 people in the class, 40, and it's a different 40 Tuesday night as it as it's going to be Thursday night, and, you know, Friday's going to be a whole other crew, and then Saturday morning is this people. No, it was the same, you know, 10 of us in the class every time, and maybe there were a couple guys in and out, you know, who were there more or less often. It'd be really obvious if I was ducking Jake Baker again or something. <laughs> Like, you just run in the other direction. Yeah. It, you know, so it was, I mean, I knew what I was going to get stuck in. And some counters and things that I never was shown in a class that I ended up learning, you know, I won't say inventing because that part does drive me a little bit nuts, you know. I mean, everybody wants to have a move and then they name it. And even though... You know, and you kind of have to blame Eddie Bravo a little bit because, you know. Because he's a branding genius? Is that what you're saying? Well, he is. Two sides, right? He, Two sides. Absolutely. That's why I have the brows choke. I don't know if you remember that. from. I heard that, yes. I'll, I'll show it to you someday. I look forward to that. Um, <laughs> I don't. I mean, he took a move that has been a part of wrestling forever and brought it over to jujitsu. And said, "Oh, I'm gonna rename that," you know, and it began a whole thing. And yeah, I mean, he's made a huge. I mean, he's made his live. Well, he off of that and one match with Hoyler, yeah. and and yeah. man, he made his whole career. Which God, God bless you, man. You I, I, hey, I'm not hating on that at all. It's just again, it's you find your way and you find what works. And in a business sense, that worked. It worked, you know, huge for him. Um, but 
it, uh, I don't know, I got lost in my thought. I don't know where I was going It's one of the best places to be, man. Did you see that viral video last week of the guy trying to get into rubber guard and he keeps yanking his foot up and it's almost like he's trying to pseudo triangle him with a rubber guard position and just pops his knee out of position and suddenly things are pointing directions they shouldn't be? No. Oh, man. As a guy who's had... Mm. Reconstructive knee oh, okay. surgery? No, I. Oh God, I don't want to see that. Either. <laughs> uh, it just makes you want to go back to closed guard and just mm. hold those ankles tight. Well, you know that's the other thing. You gotta know. You gotta know your limitations. <laughs> or how you know, joints you, work. <laughs> well, yes, you know, and if you we're train, in a game of bending joints the wrong way. You know, well, that's be, the thing, right? And you'll see enough. You know, you train long enough, you'll. You'll see those weird things happen in the gym where it's like, what was, what was that person thinking? It yeah. was like, well, I had a, enough knowledge in one thing <laughs> and enough energy and force yeah. to forget the knowledge that that's not supposed to do that. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's actually reminded me a lot of, I have did a little bit of arm wrestling over the years in competitions and stuff, which is more analogous to jujitsu than it would be like lifting weights. Hmm. Frankly, it's like isolated jujitsu. Sure. Your arm versus my arm. Right. With a whole lot of leverage from elsewhere or whatever. But yeah, that's the same kind of injury where it's like, everything's good. Everything's good. And then, hmm. Until it's the wrong way a little bit. (laughs) I didn't really see it, but I heard it and threw up. Oh, what's your knee injury? Or why'd you Uh, have the surgery? Um, well, that's a hockey thing. Oh, the hockey guy just walked upstairs. Yeah. He's supposed to back me up when hockey comes up. <laughs> I'm from Minnesota, but I don't know hockey. Just wear and tear from skating and whatever, or did you take an injury? I took an injury at a very young age. Um, the one year I played goalie and uh, basically went to save the the puck we were we're actually in practice and one of the kids on my team, his, his brother was on the varsity team, you know, so we were like 11, I suppose. And, you know, he's a high school kid and he came right in and drilled a shot and I went to save it and leg goes outward and the puck hit my knee, you know, behind my leg pad and hit my knee on the side and knocked my kneecap off of my leg. Like it knocked it around to the side and uh mm. yeah it was not pleasant and then it just yeah it got worse from there um i actually didn't end up having surgery until i was in college like so i just like rehabbed it tendon was yep. was malleable enough that it could take that stretch and come back and you just right hope for the best and then yes. over the years it got dislocated several more times actually each of them has until the point where they were so stretched out that they didn't hold much of anything yeah. in place anymore. Yeah. And so they they did what's called a lateral release where they actually cut it off or cut it all out, reposition it, and then re-sew everything on tight. <laughs> now... It's a wonderful thing, medicine, but yikes. Well, nowadays, that's like a 10-day a recovery... Yeah. You're on crutches. You know, it's... Would you have three months? Two holes. You know, I got the big Frankenstein scar right down the front (laughs) of the knee. They open it up like a banana. Yeah. Just, (laughs) we're going to open that bad boy up. And um, 
Yeah, and it was about three months, and mm-hmm. you know, so again, things happen. Things happen. So it's a cool story, though. It uh, like if you never had any injuries and you guys went on to win a state championship, like I'd be like, I got a cool ride in a well. I got a really cool ride in the ambulance. I just remember he's laying on guy. the yeah, ice. Yeah, you walked out, but he's a hockey guy. So, so I just remember laying on the ice after I stopped screaming my head off that, you know, my knee was killing me. And, you know, they all rushed in. The coaches were all there, you know, and they're like, okay, Brian, calm down, calm down. It's okay. It's okay. You know, just calm. And I got calmed down. And I remember then. You know, because then, like, the rink attendant came out, and they were looking, and somebody's dad, who was something, and uh, and I just remember hearing them, you know, as I'm, like, looking up straight at the lights, you know, it's just blinding, and you're there, and there's people running all around, and you're just going, God, this this hurts, you know, and one of them goes, oh, God, I think it's broken. Look at his foot, because my <laughs> knee, the upper half of my leg was laying straight and straight up mm-hmm. and then the lower half of my leg and my foot were laying completely 90 degree angles like laying fl- you know on the side and they're like <laughs> oh god did you see his foot i think it's broken what that does not- they just figure the ankle was broken and twisted to the side or something yeah and so Ugh. i just remember laying there for a long time and then all of a sudden in come the guys with the stretcher and they put and i just remember it was really warm Oh yeah, it was like a, so. It was like a respite. Right from yeah, it's like oh, this is so nice. That's yep. Funny. Is that your is that your only injury or your only big? That's my biggest. I mean, again, like I had my, uh, you know, I had the ankle popped. Yeah, you said that. Yeah. Um, had my elbow pop once, and that was one of those kind of like what I assume happens like when you arm wrestle, right? So I got, um. I got caught, although the elbow was not past the fulcrum, but like right on it. So it wasn't bending. I was still technically safe, I thought, you know, and and I was strong enough that I was holding there. I was fine and holding and holding, and it didn't ever, and then it popped. Yeah. It was yeah. just a tunk, and I'm like... Okay, hold on. We go. Whoop. <laughs> yep. Like, and it was weird because I could move it. It was fine. It didn't like I could move it. But then, when I stopped moving my arm, all of a sudden it was like, yeah, like yeah. everything you just felt, everything kind of seize up inside, and mm-hmm. it wasn't out for terribly long. But something obviously happened. Yeah. It definitely uh, supports the idea of of tapping in training, like. Yeah. I mean, you know. Yep, and that was one again. There, but don't take it there. Right. right. Well, and that was one. I mean, I think I was like a brown belt, you know, and again, I I was like, well, I'm I'm still inside of the legs or the hips, you know. I'm not I'm not out. He can't he he couldn't Yeah. Yeah. bend it, but I was holding it so, you know, with so much tension that it was just like, yeah, you're not supposed to hold me yeah. but that hard for that long, you know. Just because the joint angle is still, you know, favorable. Yeah, it doesn't or, mean something yeah, else can't right, happen. Right. Well, and that's the most, we'll stick with the arm wrestling, that's the most famous arm wrestling indus, indu, industry, injury that you'll find. Right. Is from locked. one of the world's strongest men, actually, where they use that as, a, as an event. And Magnus Samuelsson from Sweden, 
was Europeans. I love those names. Magnus, Magnus Ver Magnuson. That's the other good one. Yeah. You know that guy had to be strong. He was just born that right. way. Right. Yeah. Um, but he was Europeans arm wrestling champion previous to his foray into Strong world's Man. strongest man stuff. And he was going against that giant dude that went in the WWE later and he was in Troy, Nathan mm. Jones. Nathan Jones, you look him up, he's a, just a gigantic dude, like 6'10", 400 pounds, and apparently off his nut. Just crazy. But you take a big, strong horse of a man like that and put him in a, what he feels is a strong position. Right. And the title's on the line, so to speak, against a guy who knows exactly how to do these things. Right. And you can, if you look it up, you can see Magnus like looking to the ref, like gesturing, like, look at this. He, this is called the break arm position is what it's called. And the the guy, Nathan Jones, broke his own shit. Right, he didn't like, even Magnus know. Like, Magnus is just, he's just holding. He's not right. pulling against him, trying to pin him. He's like, this we can't, you know, in an arm wrestling tournament, the rep would ste- ref would step in and be like, stop. This is ridiculous. Get You're going to hurt yourself. Exactly. And so this Nathan Dummies. Jones guy just, just literally just broke his own shit. It was it just gross. Ugh. And again, he's in a strong position. But the leverage the other guy has against you is stronger. Right. Same kind of setup, right? Yeah, that's my whole game. Right there. What is? Leverage. Yeah. So I'm that's never, scary. never going to beat anybody in a strength contest. That's it. <laughs> There's some pipes there, man. Don't undersell it. That's kind of the idea of jiu-jitsu. No, those right? would be pipe cleaners. Pipe cleaners. <laughs> <laughs> Copper pipes, the yeah. thin ones in the bathroom. <laughs> exactly. yeah. uh, but that, but again, that's that's the idea. Like you can kick my ass because you know how to utilize the physics and stuff, right? We'll go with that. I will for sure. I've learned. Well, that's the other thing in jujitsu. You know, I mean, you walk in the gym and there's guys who, when they walk in. I still laugh to myself and I go, God, somebody would totally try to put you in your place in traffic or something and you'd murder them. <laughs> Dude, Potter you Bum. Know. Yeah. I would fuck with Potter Bum. He's a, yeah, he's a perfect example. We used to have a guy. Um, I mean, I wouldn't because I know better now, but like, I mean, like I'm not a guy you'd pick a fight with. Right. I don't know how to fight. You'd probably kick my ass. It's all good. I'm not going to, you know, but right. that dude. He's a great example. Yeah. You know, and yikes. You know, yeah, he's a scary, scary guy. You know, we used That's to have a guy. Nickname, scary Ryan, because there's two Ryan. Right, yeah. I heard that. I liked that. It's good, scary Ryan, right? Well, because see, so because I stutter, and the and the letter P screws with me all the time, so I would never use. I never call him by his last name. So I, if I call him anything, it's just Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like scary Ryan. That works good for him. Um, he's a great, no right. <laughs> I hate the letter P. It messed me up. And my mom's name, Uh-oh. uh, started with the letter P and God, when I used to have to call her at work as a little kid, I was like, oh. <laughs> mm. you know, cause, and you know, it just sucked because they, you know, had a receptionist. And mm-hmm. so I had to call and ask for my mom and it was like, Ugh, it's murder. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, yeah. You just don't 
the collar on her cell. Yeah. The, yeah. This was 1981. Okay, this was 40 years ago. No, it wasn't even machines to answer at that point. You just it just kept ringing. Yeah. Well, the switchboard operator. Um, <laughs> but yeah. uh, you know, and there used to be another guy at the academy, um, and he actually opened up an academy affiliate in Latvia. He was from Latvia, um, and we called him Jin. Um, but you, you know, call, you called him Jim. Jin. Jin. Um, J I N, and then add like the rest of it. <laughs> eighteen more letters yeah. after that. And that's his actual name. He's got a future in strongman. I'm just going to assume that. Um, but he was a you know he he was five six, a buck thirty, and I've never met a stronger. Mm-hmm. Hundred like you know, guys would come in you know two hundred two thirty, you know literally have a hundred yeah. pounds on him. He'd throw them around like a sack of dog food. Yikes. And, uh, but you know, he was, he's around my age. He's maybe a little bit younger than me, but you know, he grew up in, you know, Latvia in a time where, you know, at a young age, you were identified of, you are going to do this. Mm -hmm. And then you go to school half the day and then you go train for whatever that is. Well, he was a wrestler, you know, you will wrestle. And be nice to that guy. Any of the old school guys can, t- I mean, and he hurt more people. <laughs> just accidentally or just because yeah. kind of a. Well, he, oh, he, 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 uh, he's probably one of the guys who they created the foundations classes for, mm-hmm. for not to be, you know, to, In response to keep to people from, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, cause, oh yeah, he, you know, he had that, what even Jeremy alluded, you know, he had that Eastern, mm-hmm. that Eastern block <laughs> tinge of, you know, I call it what you will, you yeah. know, but he'd get you down. He, you know, and, you know, and then he'd look at you. Do you know what that is? Those are my balls on your face. <laughs> and then he'd break around, you know, you're like, oh God. You know, and he'd smile. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, just the crazy functional strength of, you know, growing up his whole life and going and spending half of his day wrestling. Yeah, I've been squeezing on an item and pulling it toward me for a long time. Right. <laughs> you know, and it's those guys where I just go, oh, that's so funny. You know, because you know there are you know, the vast majority of guys on the street, you know, who, you know, they go lift it wherever. LA Fitness. Let's go with that. There we go. Because that's where they are. The guys that you're about to describe are La Fitness, Fitness. as my, as my son used to say, like when they opened up, he goes, hey dad, there's that La Fitness. I'm like. (laughs) It's a Spanish place. It's it's good. (laughs) And, uh, you know, would have no problem, you know, in the line at the movie theater or, you know, wherever going, hey, you know, kick your ass. And then Scary Ryan turns around and goes, oh, you would. <laughs> Let me sit down and take you up. Don't yeah. Answer. You know, again, that was the beauty, you know, of watching, you know, the early UFCs where you're like, holy shit. 
in walks Ken Shamrock, who cannot lower his arms lower yeah. than, you know, 45 yeah. degrees lower than the plane of his shoulders. We got a guy in PJs versus Rambo. Let's see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. The guy in the pajamas is dead. Oh, wait. <laughs> so crazy. You know? It's still crazy. And it was just... The other great thing of that in those days, you know, again, was just... It was really style against style, at least in the early days, you know, in the really early yeah. ones where it was, yep. you know, the best of this and this guy and, you know, and it all came out in the wash, you know, and that's the thing I love about going to jujitsu. There's no hiding. There's no, you know, well, I'll just go and nobody will know that I'm not really good. Well, first of all, you're never going to get promoted because... You know, you have to show, you know, you have to show up and then you have to show and prove what you can do. You know, I got real disenchanted as a kid when I got to about junior high in traditional martial arts because it was, you know, these kids who could just do all the dance moves, you know, and I ended up actually in a a small altercation with one, you know, who was like, two or three belts above me, you know, and he, you know, he just ran his mouth around the gym, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And why well, do this? I do this, you know, and yeah, he was, he was a great choreographer or, you know, I mean, he, air, air puncher. Yeah. He punched the hell out of that air. And, uh, you know, it was like, fine. You just want to spar, you know? Yeah, fine. And I got into trouble because, you know, you know, and even before any of us knew, and again, I mean, this was, you know, long before the UFC ever became, in, you know. Pre-enlightenment. Pre-enlightenment. I, I like that. And it was just, you know, I was like, this is not, I mean, I get it, but I don't get it. Like, what are we doing? Like, that, that kid shouldn't be that. He, he, you know, like we spar and he can't do anything and just because he can jump around and hit the air you know faster than somebody or or you know it's all very impressive well both from like a performative standpoint also from like an athletic standpoint like there's a lot of really impressive stuff but at the same time the bottom line is the application right like if you if you were an amazing you know word processor and like programmer on a computer well, you but your programs amaz- never ran then right. well you could be an amazing dancer yeah right yeah you have a routine and this is going to probably get me in a lot of trouble with with the traditional martial arts folks but i kind of equate it to dancing you know it was choreographed you know and i've had friends who were dancers Super athletic, incredible, strong, flexible, you know, and great, the great g- calves, grace, <laughs> yeah, Sorry. you know, and the grace to, yes, yeah. you know, and the strength to bend and do things, land the right. way they land a lot of yep. times, one leg, super impressive. That. Doesn't mean you're going to want to fight, but you know, it's athletic, it's beautiful to watch, um, you know, but. Doesn't make you tough, you know. Makes you good shape. 
It does. That's that's actually a thing in like the meathead crowd is like you get these guys they're you know real muscular or real strong or whatever and and it's like I think it's a guy thing largely the testosterone of it you know you start equating it with tough. Nah, bro, you got twelve minute rest periods. Like a fight is gonna kill you. You're big and strong and scary looking. We'll give you that, but like it's not fighting. If the other guy hasn't killed you yet, your adrenaline is gonna kill you about. A minute in. Trust me. I've tested it. Yeah. I, mean. <laughs> I showed up to the gym and tested it. Yeah. What What traditional martial arts did you do? I did the research. Trust me. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was dead. Yeah, close. Uh, taekwondo and then karate. Which, which brand of karate? There's multiple brands in there. Or did, was it indistinguishable at the time? In Anoka in the 1980s, it was... Yeah. It, it was it was whatever it was. May not have been karate, but they told you it was karate. Right. Yeah. We had belts in the outfits. I don't know. It was <laughs> <laughs> the outfits, yeah. yeah. Uh, so t- this uh, this is a weird question for me because I don't have the experience yet to like fully understand it. Okay. But I've asked several people now, and it usually sparks a pretty good answer. Tell me about your style of jujitsu. Like your, I know the phrase is your game. My game. Uh, pressure. Very fundamentally oriented. Again, an old school, very much an old school game. Um, now, is that because you know, you're, you're kind of from the old school? And certainly. thus it's your preference? Like that was really your staples early on, you think? Certainly. Uh, I think that certainly is a large part of it it's the part that i enjoy um it's the part that gets me through at the gym you know if i was marcus and i was at every tournament you know and this and that my game would have had to evolve to include a ton of leg locks a ton of leg lock defense and you know um more of the newer newer items in the game um but no, overall, uh, you know, leverage, pressure, um, and again, I mean, you know, at forty-eight, you don't look a day over forty-seven. Bro. I'm not. Well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> at almost forty-nine, you know, my game. I mean, and doing what I do, you, you know. It's tough, um, especially in these years, you know, to to evolve a ton. I mean, I train as much as I can, and I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm happy with my game. I think Jeremy said it. You know, if you go in and you try to compare your game to you know Marcus's guard every day, you know, you'll probably be pretty unhappy with yourself. Yeah, you know. And he's right. You know, again, martial arts is a different thing to me than I think it is to a lot of others, you know, and how I look at it and how I look at what I do and, and why. And, you know, again, I mean, it's a lifestyle and it's, it's, it's just part of you know, who I am. And that's going to change as the, my different stages of life. Right. I mean, it was different 
when, you know, I was married and I had a two-year-old and life was fairly stable at the time. Well, that changed when, you know, I was a single father and having to deal with a grieving child and and then raising that child throughout, you know, the next 13 years, you know, and certainly not that that ends at 18, or at least it hasn't in my case. I'm still, you know, um, <laughs> you know, he's still in school, but... Uh, it's a leadership position even after that, though, right? It is, you know, and I think when you take that on, I mean, that is a responsibility. It should be a responsibility yeah. that you don't just go, you know, yeah, uh, this isn't fun anymore, <laughs> you know, and so... As the different things in my life, and again, you know, when I was not on the road 150 days a year, okay, well, I could train more then. You know, I could evolve. I could look at different things and go, you know, I'm going to work at incorporating that into my game. Or I'm not, you know, and so it just, uh, but long story short, a very fundamentally oriented old school game, lots of pressure, lots of leverage. Again, I don't have a lot of strength. I mean, we would go lift in the gym and you, you would laugh. You'd go. Not, not to your face. I wouldn't. Oh, oh, but later you would, you'd go, that is ridiculously bad, Brian. Um, I thought he was tough. I thought you'd be bigger. I thought you'd be stronger. (laughs) Um, you know, nope, I'm not, you know, and that's fine. Again, I had to find my game to, you know, how do I hold this guy down? You know, here we go. I land on top, you know, or how do I try to control, you know, David Scora, you know, who has gone and, you know, I, woo, off I went, you know, I was like, okay. It's also sort of a question. How do I counter that? Yeah. It's a question for the ages right? more than anything. It's less physics with David Scorer as it is like spirit. Right. And, <laughs> you know, but rolling with him is a great experience. Yeah. yeah. You know, because either you you figure out how to do it, and it can be done, or if you know you're not in quite the right spot, you go, okay, I got to bail because I got to let him do the heave-ho you know, essentially get out of the way and then get to whatever he leaves me next, you know? And, you know, that's a whole, that's a whole other thing, you know, of just, um, you know, it's really, uh, uh, as I've progressed um, throughout learning jujitsu and, and, you know, learning my game. And it was interesting hearing the other guys talk through that, you know, like, okay, well, how do they view that in their head, right? You know, like, Mm -hmm. we're all black belts. And so we've all at least gotten to that point. And we've all done it in different amounts of time. Um, Different phases of life. Yep. You know, I took about, I took a little over 13 years. You know, again, life kind of got in the way, you know, 
But, but like like I said with Jeremy, that's pretty fast. He said 15 years. You say 13. That's pretty fast when you consider most people don't. Right. Years aside. It's still, I think, about 1%. Rock and roll, yeah. I mean, it's still, I think, about 1% who actually do it, you know? Although I hang around, I, I mean, I've trained a lot and have been around, you know, a guy like Kelly Johnson. Seven years, you know? Again, wrestled his whole life, was in a position to be at the gym and any number of different gyms, you know, six, seven days a week. Is at least a quarter spider monkey. Right. For some odd reason. You know, you hang around guys like that, and um, and I think this was brought up previously as well. You hang around those guys, and you go, why am I so freaking slow? Right, you right. Know? And, and again, it's okay, right? I mean, it's it's whatever your journey is, God, now I sound like David Score. Whatever your journey is, that's fine. Um, and, <laughs> and I like David a lot. I, I, Me too. We, why do I we need really to qualify? Do. Why can't we but make fun very, of David Score without qualifying it? I don't know. Well, I don't want people to listen to this and go, dude, did you hear it? He was totally ripping on Score. Everybody uh, that no. listens to this knows who David Score is, yeah. I promise you. It um, might be different like a year from now. I don't know. but well, like, <laughs> Um. And it, uh, but, you know, as I've gone through, you know, I hit a point and we'll probably get to this at the end, I'm sure. But, you know, I got my black belt and it was weird because once I got my black belt, the old saying of, of, well, you know, then you really realize what you don't know and, you know, it all starts over and that was absolutely true. You know, unlike I think when I heard Marcus explain it, you know, I didn't think I could bend words and I was like, I don't know anything. You know, it was like they, it was like I had everything on a microscope, right? I was looking at the slide. Okay. Yep. There's my game. There's my game and I got my thing. And then they said, all right, well, let's crank up the power times 200. And I'm like, holy shit. What is all this? Like, like the detail just went, and I was like, whoa. You just felt like you were doing paint by numbers previous to that. And yes. You had a blank canvas in front of you. Yep. And it was like, oh, right, like, okay, I've got my paints and my brushes, but. Where do I put this stuff? Right, yeah. And now watch Bobo try to paint the, you know, like, <laughs> I felt like the trained monkey going, okay, now paint, Bobo. You know. Like I knew it when it said all the ones got the red paint and then the twos yeah. were yellow and you know that was fine but um, you know where everything just kind of blew up and you know uh, also around that time I, I kind of changed my whole philosophy of of just how to approach everything in terms of I stopped thinking about moves and I just started thinking about position. I had this kind of I hate to use the word epiphany. Epiphany. I knew you were going Enlightenment. I don't know. Whatever it was. A moment of clarity. A moment of clarity where everybody, you know, like I was teaching a bit then and just, you know, you'd, you'd hear people just go, God, you know, I got to this position and I couldn't finish it or I, 
I, I worked, but I got it. And I just thought, you know, you know, then you weren't there, you know, and Jeremy kind of touched on this a little bit too, where it was like, you know, it shouldn't be hard, right? The finish is the easy part. I mean, if I have your neck exposed to actually do this is not hard. I mean, this isn't strong. This is not going to fight back. You know, like their neck is not going to fight back. Well, unless you're Ishmael and you actually have <laughs> gills or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> um, but most people's necks don't fight back. Or their arm. You know, if I have your arm all the way out here uh, to go this or do this or do this or do this or that, you know. That's the easy part, right? I mean, you got, you got physics on your side right. in all those positions. It's getting there is the problem, right? It, it shouldn't be that tough once you're there. If you do it right, it shouldn't be that hard. And so I just began to work on just position, 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 position. Because if I get in the right position, I can take my pick. If I get in the right position and I isolate your arm, I can choose which lock based on our body position on the floor, above, underneath, to the side, blah, 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 that I want to use. Because if I've completely isolated your arm, I've got your wrist, I've got elbows, I've got shoulders, I can, you know, choose the joint in which you would like to, you know, hurt now. Okay, thank you. Thanks for playing. Mm -hmm. You know, tap, If you have my back with two hooks in, there's a couple of three chokes. There's a handful of arm locks. There's You can transition to a lot of different places because you're already in a dominant position. Right. And so I just kind of threw out, and I remember the first time I ever told anybody that. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to stop working on moves. They were like, what? What? I don't get it. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, this probably shouldn't be anything I would ever tell a a white belt because, you know, I don't think you can throw all of them away until you know them. You can't break the rules until you learn how to play with them first, you know? Um, but that's how I've begun to approach it in the last few years. Do you want to pull the mic out of the mic stand so you can drop it? <laughs> it's true, though. No, I, totally. I mean, it no really is. Again, if I do my job and I get in the right position, I get the setup done right, and I get whatever it is I'm going to ultimately manipulate to finish, that finish should be easy. And so I've spent the last hmm, probably three, four years just going, okay, I, I really have to work on just improving my position always. Three, four years, is that back to when you got your black belt? When did you get your black belt? What year? Did you, I don't remember you saying it. 2015. 15. So essentially your entire time as a black belt, you yeah. you've been thinking about it differently. Yeah, which I actually had to look up. Yeah. Um yeah, I heard you ask somebody when they got it and I was like Oh shit. I crap, I gotta look through. I actually had to look up, I actually had to find the photos on my phone. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well because I was like, Well, I haven't had it that long. So I was like, oh, 17 thing. I'm like Holy shit. Scroll back. I'm like, 2015? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, which was weird. And I do actually have to say, I had some jealousy listening 
actually to all of the guys' stories of when they got their belt, mm-hmm. you know, because they got him here. And um, I will commend Ish. He, he's really done a great job of creating a culture and really make sure that he does it right. You know, like like the surprise to to Ethan, Kevin, and Marcus, or when he did it for Jeremy on his birthday, his birthday. in his gym. Yeah, yeah like yeah. that's pretty. That's awfully cool. Clearly, it meant a lot because that was like one of the main emphases of when I asked him about right. it. He's like, I, I loved the fact I, that it happened. I can't even watch the video. Gym. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I was like, watch. whoa, you know, and I. uh I had a little bit different of a road to that and experience with that. So I got all of my belts from Pedro. Like out there or? He used to come here once a year. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so, and that was the other thing back then, you know, just culturally it was like, well, you better be ready when he comes because it's going to be at least another year until he comes back. You know, and Greg wasn't around much. He was still sick. And, you know, people didn't get many belts. I mean, I remember the first time somebody else gave a blue belt out. I was like, well, that's weird. You mean you you got it from Greg or from Ish? Like, you didn't get it from Pedro? That's weird. You know, and again... It was a different time, right? Yeah. It was just, it you know. Something of a cultural shift took place where absolutely. new leaders were stepping up. The, yep. And so when I got, uh, when I got my brown belt and after, you know, after that, it, it's really a weird time because then I really had the, I don't know if it was the imposter syndrome, but you're like, wow, now you're like, I'm like, holy crap. This is, you know. And right after that was when Ish went to California for a year or however long it was. This is a while. And, you know, he left and Tom left and opened up Spartan. And, you know, those are really, I mean, Tom taught all the day classes and Ish taught, you know, evenings and weekends. Two of your pillars are somewhere else. Yeah. And, you know, there weren't a lot of other black belts yet. I mean, they were really it. There was one other. Um, and as that kind of dragged on and as I got a little further, you know, somebody said to me, well, you know, not too long. You just wait. You know, you'll be next. And it scared the hell out of me. And I was like, whoa, no, no, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. I have way too many holes. I have, th- this is not, you know, that was not, I felt very un, uh, suddenly I felt very uncomfortable. I think I had, I think I had two or three stripes on my brown belt at that time. And I'm like, holy crap, you, I can't get that, no. Now, is, that, is that because it like felt like a finish line? Like I'm supposed to be done when I get to be a black belt? No, it felt like I should have been better at a, a number of things than I was. Like a more complete game? Yes. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And, um, and so I got spooked. 
You know, I was like, oh my God, this is not good. And it was about that time I was, I had been talking to Tom a lot um, because we were friends. And, uh, you know, he, you know, kind of was like, well, you know, hey, I can, you know, I'll get you there, you know. And he was building his school. And so um, he had one other black belt there. And I don't think they had any brown belts yet at all. Um, and, you know, he, we talked and talked and talked and, you know, he was like, you know, I can get you there. You know, I, I will give you the time. And so I made the decision, you know, and it was hard because a lot of people who had left the academy didn't do it right or didn't always do it right. People, you mean, that left and, like, started their own yes. school? Okay. And so, you know, I didn't want that, you know. I mean, I had spent a long time there. I felt very comfortable there. You know, I mean, I had probably been there 10 years at least at that time. Had a lot of friends there. Had a lot of, you know, history there. And I didn't want to leave on bad terms. And so I made sure, you know, I went in in person and talked to multiple people people there and said you know here's what I'm thinking here's what I feel like I need to do I hope you understand you know and so I went over to Spartan for a couple years um, some other things happened I moved I got uh, further away you know and it was a hike geography's a bit from yeah. Ramsey to Oakdale yeah you know you know, that's almost an hour on a good night, you yeah. know, and no you snow, got, no traffic. And, you right, know. and then you got to get back. Right. And so, but, you know, I was there for a while and progressed and, you know, and so then when I felt like I was okay, I had my four stripe, I felt good about kind of where I was at, you know, then it was. Right, but I want to go get my belt from Pedro. That's a well, long, st <laughs> long story here. I know. Um, no, no, I love a long story. Well, and probably just keeping with the tradition of the previous right intervals, and that was important to me. Um, sure, you know, uh, and so I went back to the academy and talked to Greg and to Andy, and I said, you know. I'd like to come back and I'd like, you know, A, I'd like to train here again. Um, I think I'm one of very few who have ever were allowed to return. Mm. Um, mm. And I want to have, you know, and part of that too, you know, when, whenever you feel that I'm ready. I would like to get my belt from Pedro. You know, no disrespect to Greg. I, you know, I was around Greg and worked with Greg and worked for Greg for for years. I ran the kids program there. You know, helped them run tournaments. Did a ton of graphic design for them. Did uh, did all kinds of things to help that gym. You know, I said, but. 
gotten all of my belts from him. I want to complete it, you know. Um, and so, you know, they're like, yep, no problem. You know, well, you know, and when the time came then after that, you know, they hooked me up. And so my experience with actually getting my belt was, you know, in and around work schedule, playing schedule, kids lacrosse schedule, because my son played, um, played lacrosse at a high level and played nationally for years. Hence, um, the, hence the name. Yep. The boy wanted, uh, right? It, That's a uh, good lacrosse nickname. Um, nice. Um, I had to find a seminar where Pedro was going to be sure. that, that fit my music schedule, my work schedule, my kids, you know, blah, yeah. blah, blah, um, to go to. And so I actually ended up going out to his, what was his original school in Utah for his annual camp and seminar there. So I flew out by myself, showed up at this place where I knew nobody. I had never been there before. You know, didn't know anybody, didn't know anybody there. You know, just showed up. You know, luckily the one guy who they had spoke to, who who I had coordinated it with, you know, was like, oh, okay. You know, and I walked into this place, you know, and... uh and so I tested alone, you know, there was probably, God, I don't know, 10 of us, eight, nine of us who got our black belts that day. Um, but, you know, it was an amazing day, obviously, because you work for, you know, 13 plus years, a little over, mm -hmm. um, to get something. I was like, you know, that's my whole primary education. Right, I mean that's like kindergarten through graduating high school. I'm like, I'm like, wow! I spent more time getting my black belt than I did in my entire primary education. You probably studied more too, way more. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, afterwards, as these other guys you know had their families there and they're all good and then you know i grabbed my bag i went out and hopped in my rental car and drove to the hotel i found a place to eat i bought myself a really nice dinner <laughs> what'd you have do you remember sushi nice it's a good call i went and i, I Got myself really nice sushi. I had an appetizer too because I was like, "Hey, you're you know, this is a we're black belt. We're yeah, in the money now. That's right." And uh, you know, I'll treat myself really nice tonight. And uh, and you know, then went back to my hotel room by myself. And the next morning, I flew home. And you know, at least in the age of social media, you know pictures got posted and you know a ton of great comments and accolades and, you know and that was nice but you see people who you know when somebody like ish who takes the time to go you know what hey this is a big deal i'm going to make sure that it's done mm -hmm. thoughtfully you know i go 
yeah, I flew up by myself and had a little crappy rental car and drove over to the hotel and, you know, but. It's a cool story though. And then I think, uh, after that, then I think what I have, I think I've never seen any others. I, I think I have the only M theory tattoo that there is. Oh. Yeah. I, um, because I drew Ish's logo for him. Oh, you did? Okay, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, um, Yeah, because when he set it up, and it, I mean, I helped Tao and him lay the first mats, the old mats that were in there before they opened up. He came home, he's like, yeah, I'm going to open up school, and, you know. And I remember, I can't remember, somebody brought me the logo, because I had done a lot of that work for Greg and stuff as well. And they had this logo, and... I'm like, yeah, that's not going to translate very well. Like, it was done so it looked kind of cool on screen, but I'm like, yeah, that's not going to translate to, Once you know, it's a patch or something. Embroidery, yeah. yep. And, you know, or, or if you're going to, like, paint that on a wall or, you know, whatever, and they're like, what do you mean? I go, well, this is how colors work and, you know, da 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, well, you know, what do you think? And, you know, I'm like, well, I can drive draw you up a few options and I did and he's like well I like this from that one that you know and we ended up with the logo that it has but um, anyway so I was always like I'm not gonna I won't get a jujitsu tattoo until I get my black belt and I wasn't even um, I wasn't training yet at M Theory and I got um, because it has Pedro's large. Here, oh yeah, yeah. Right, and then it has uh, the old Gracie logo, Hickson, the Academy, Spartan, and M Theory. Yeah. Because I was like, well, you know, I wanted to make sure that I acknowledged all of the people who were important. Yeah. In my journey. Yeah, you got all the layers there. Right, right. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I was like, I think I have the only M-Theory tattoo. And I got that before I was ever even officially at the gym. But, you know, Ish was a huge part of my, huge part of my training. And, you know, and obviously. Well, who's bigger than the people who taught you in the beginning, right? Right. Like, I mean, that's when the foundation's laid and, and whatnot. Yeah, and I mean, I went to a whole lot more number of, you know, evenings and uh, weekends as I did in the day. Although, you know, Tom is on there as well because, again, you know, those two guys really, you know, and again, you know, the academy and then that lineage, you know, to just kind of know your roots and go, yep, those are the people that who helped me get wherever it is I am <laughs> here in Polly's basement talking here in into Polly's a microphone basement at the uh, Miss Pac-Man machine. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you, you talked about how you like almost literally felt like you were staring at a blank slate when you became a black belt. Very much. But, and not, but, and you described to me your black belt test feeling like a first day at jujitsu you didn't maybe intend to but as you were describing you were the only one there you didn't know anybody you tested alone yeah 
that's odd. I've never really thought of it that way. And symbolically then afterwards to go, you know, wow, the game is all changed. Mm-hmm. The power on the microscope has all of a sudden gotten flipped. You know how you used to do that? Go, well, here's the slide, kids, and we're going to look at these things at 10 power. Okay. Now we're going to go to 300 power. And you're like, whoa, dude, look at all this shit on that slide. And that's really what it was. It was like, wow, the detail of, is my elbow here or here? That's night and day now. Whereas as long as I got my elbow over here and not over here, but now I'm good. Now it's like, no, now it's that to that or that or that. You know, those are like nine different things, Brian. Smaller degrees. Yep. And so, and then somewhere in there it was, now we're going to throw out all of the the moves. Moves, moves. I don't know. You know, if I get to where I'm going and I get the setup done right, the finish is the easy part at that point. But. What guard do you like? If if I'm coming at you and you're gonna put me in a guard, what do you like? If I can put you in any guard, top half. Tell me what that means. I mean, I know, but for the audience. Um, one of the last tournament matches I was in. When was that? I don't know. Three years ago. Three. Two. Uh, two or three years ago. You know, we come out, we shake hands or, you know, slap, mm-hmm. and we kind of start to to color fight and hand fight a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as I got a good hold of one, he dropped to jump, guard, and... I anticipated it good enough that we landed. I landed in his half guard. And when we landed there, in my head, I'm like, well, this match is over. Mm-hmm. And and it was. It took about, uh, I mean, from that point, like we were on the feet for a little bit just, fighting and, you know, grab, grab, circle, circling, you know. Um, But once we hit the floor and I established, because we landed, you know, and he squirmed a bit, you know, he tried to to get out, you know, and either get out from under or to get me into full. But once I, once I established, you know, I'm like, oh, this is done. And, you know, I just locked up a shoulder and that was in the fight because I'm very like I would prefer to have top half guard over the mount any day of the week hmm. and that's usually the look I get any time that I say that and I'll give you two reasons why so first of all you know we can call it whatever we want but uh, we can you know, I'll go with the Scornado effect, right? If I get <laughs> underneath of him and I'm in the mount, I feel, you know, he's got, he's got 
a great angle on me to go, and off I go, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because the other big philosophy that I live by um, in my game and when I roll and when I break stuff down, it's like, um, is anytime you take something from me, you give me something else. Yeah. You know, you know, and I do the same. Anytime I take anything, I give you something else. And so when I'm in top half versus, you know, in the mount, like I, I feel like in the mount, I'm much more susceptible to being flipped like a hamburger under the spatula, right? If you only have the spatula under half of the hamburger, you might not flip that hamburger, right? Or if you do, it's going to be wonky, right? Um, if I'm in that top half, right? Yep, you've got, you've got my leg, and we were all taught early on, well, he's got half, you know, he has your one leg. You can't pass. He's got your leg. Yep, you've got my leg, but I've got your leg too, right? And I have a whole lot easier of a time feeling, you know, your hip, your hip under me as well. I have enough feel of your hips. I can feel when you're going to move as you tense, as you lean, but I don't have both of your hips under me that give you the leverage to throw me off of you. I've got more feedback and you have less leverage. You have right. less power. Exactly. Yeah. I can feel what you're going to do, but you can't do as much of those mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. to me now. So I will always take, you know, I love top half guard. And that guy, like, he jumped and we landed there and I felt like, yes. Oh, top half. We're not... <laughs> We're not ever leaving this spot, yeah. just so you know. Yeah. It was here uh, locally, yeah. and yeah. I think it was the only time that the IBJJF oh. was here. Oh, I got you. But, I got you. Um, you know, again, we landed in a spot that I really love. You know, and that's an unconventional view, is what I'm right. getting from yeah. you. Right? Yeah, I mean, most. So like, he would never think, "Boy, I don't want to land there because he's going to really love it." Well, or even if you do, you don't think that's where that guy wants to be. Or that's not where I'm going to get finished. Sure. Right? I mean, it's just, it's not a typical, I just happen to love it. You know, that's when the monkey arms actually really come into play because I I can be (laughs) on the other side, I can be on one side of your body and I can still reach everything over here. Yeah. Right? And so that's, you know, and it, it just played into... You know, I just played into my game. And I just, you know, I love that spot, um, you know, because I have the leverage. I, I have the place to to do a lot of things that I like to do. What do you like to do from there? What's what's your first choice or your easiest choice, best choice? Something um, like depends on what you give me, right? Uh, I'm going to usually threaten that far side arm and then see what you give me from there because there's a bunch of chokes. Um, you might do something that you don't think with the clo- the the near side arm and it'll go 
from there. But, you know, it's not sexy. Nobody's flying or twirling around, but that's where I am, you know. I learned a long time ago. I mean, I'm a fairly athletic guy. You know, I mean, I played most most sports growing up. You know, I mean, I played football. I played baseball. I played a lot of hockey. You know, I played volleyball. I did, you know, all these things. I mean, I've, you know, I've run 30-some marathons, I think, now. I've done the Ironman twice. Um, but I'm not, I'm not going to be, you know, doing, you know, flying, reverse, inverted, flippy, you know, that, uh, I'm 48. I, you know, yeah. I feel the best if I keep my feet on the ground. Thank you. Yeah, you're you know. right. Hold on now. Let's not glaze over that. You did two Ironmans. Yes. Super impressive times. Um, One was 13 something and one was 11 something. Damn. You know what the limit is for that? You know what you got to do it under? 16. Isn't it 17? It might be 17. Either way, you're well under the limit. It's not like you're like sloughing your way to the finish line. Good for you, brother. Yeah. That's impressive. 30 marathons right, right around there? Something like that. Yeah. Give me the time. I'm a metrics guy. If you listen, you listen to these podcasts, you uh, my P, Yeah. Uh, my PR is like 327.05. Damn, damn good. So not too bad. Yeah. Might not be any Kenyans, but that's damn good, right? As an old slow white guy, that's not bad. Mm-hmm. 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 What what other what else did you say there? Oh, yeah, other sports, hockey, and stuff. Like uh, that. Yeah, the you marathon's know. the thing that got me, and then the Ironmans. Where'd you do your Ironmans? Because that's that's a selective thing still. Uh, yep, I did. Uh, I did Madison. Yeah, and I did Louisville. Louisville. Oh, Louisville. Okay. Louisville. Louisville. Yeah, I <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> Rocking a Louisville shirt. Louisville shirt. Uh, why Louisville? Why not like? Kansas or something closer. Uh, they didn't have one there oh, then. It was back in the day a little bit. Yeah, that was the closest full that they had. That was an actual Ironman event. Madison. Uh, yep, and then oh, that was Louis- full after that. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, no, I did Madison first, um, yeah. and then for some reason thought that it would be a good idea to do it again. As if once wasn't enough. You got the tattoo. I do have one. You do? Yeah. It seems like everybody does. And honestly, hats off, man. Get that Listen, after here. all that, I... Yeah. 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 Yep. No, I do. Where is it? On my calf. Although I don't that's have... That's where everybody I know that's done an Ironman. Although Man I don't have it. just the M yeah. dot. I actually designed my own, of course. Oh, of course, yeah. What's it look like? Let me see it. Oh, it's like an Olympic. It'll, it'll show up really well on this audio-only format. Oh, yeah, I do like that. Yeah, you're right. There's like an Olympic city assaultiest, 40th thing happening there. Yeah. I like that a lot better, actually. Everybody I know that's done one's got it on the calf. What's more integral to running than It is kind of, well, yeah. yeah. It, it, well, it is the tramp stamp of the <laughs> triathlon world, after all. Uh, more than you know. You can man. throw that on a bumper sticker. <laughs> yeah, put it at the front of the episode, make sure everybody knows. <laughs> It is though. I mean, it is the tramp stamp of of you know, of the triathlon world, and you know the twenty six point two or the foot with wings on there on the calf is you know kind of the equivalent yeah. if you 
you know, only run or Yeah. See, I liked I liked tries more because I have kind of a short attention span. And so triathlons were good, you know, cuz like, okay, you're going to do this for a little while, then you get out of the water and then you're going to bike for a little bit, then after you bike, then you're going to run for a little bit, and then you're done. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> I've been meaning to, I've, I've made this joke for years to get like a 26.2. And what's the next one up? The stickers you see on the car, 26.2. Usually 50. The 50 or something crazy, like clearly crazy runner stuff and put it on my car. So then there's like <laughs> once or twice a year, somebody's paying people. attention and this 300 pound dude gets out like, what in the fuck? What's the overlap of all those races relative to jujitsu? All in the time. I did my Ironmans in 09 and... So you're training jiu-jitsu and training for tries? Yeah. Oh, man. Yep. Man. You know, again, it was just... It, it was one of those, like... It was a challenge, and it was like, yeah, I want to go climb that mountain. You know, and then, like some other things, after I did it, I was kind of like, eh, Okay didn't really hold the hold the appeal i mean i still run a lot i still you know um do i think last year i did about 1600 miles yeah i'll see i'll see your your selfies when you're on the road and stuff and, yeah and it's like this dude is clearly out for a run like you'll talk about it yep and um but the idea of like you know i want to enter a thing and break my pr like again i got under 330 damn good and i was like i did 327 yeah i don't know i'm ever do a whole lot better than that and and again i've done enough of these like eh, okay you know and again i I, that really plays into the whole um the difference between jujitsu and all these you know other things i mean at some point i'm gonna have to stop running right Mm -hmm. i mean i'm gonna get to an age where i cannot run but, you know, I don't know, Helio was like 93, 94, and he was on the mat doing something. If you can sit and move your arms, right? Right. Dick is 78, 79, you know? Yeah, that's where I want to be, you know? Yeah. That's the difference for me in my life of like, right, but one is a lifestyle and the other is, you know, it's in my training, it's what I do. You know, it's what I've done, you know, the last year for sure. Because there's a little meathead bias in this, but like one is beating the life out of you and the other one is allowing you to keep your ass alive if you need to. Right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's how I look at running, by the way, just beating <laughs> the life out of me. Can we just go lift weights? I used to love, um, I loved once I saw something that said, you know, our sport is your sport's form of punishment. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I get it. I mean, I don't, I mean, I get up six days a week and I go run. I don't, I don't necessarily like it. I certainly don't like it every day. You know, I mean, there are days it's nice to just go and it clears my head, but you know, sometimes I'm out and you do have a lot of time to think. Sometimes that's a good thing, and sometimes that's not a good thing. Sometimes that's the punishment. Yeah, right? <laughs> you know. So, but again, it's a means 
to an end. It, you know, it helps me stay in shape. It yeah. helps me, you know, do the other things that I want to do. So you're actually one of my first jujitsu teachers. I suppose. Yeah. Like week two, I remember being like, what's up with David Lee Roth over here? He's a black belt in jujitsu. Like, look at this guy. <laughs> no, that's not what I thought. But like you were, you were helping out with essentials class. Yep. So purely hypothetical here. When I get a black belt in jujitsu, mm-hmm. current pace, that's like 68 years from now. <laughs> Thanks, 2020. What's the emblem I get to signify you? Oh. You get the M theory icon just like I have. You drew it. Because we, uh, well. Aside from that, even if I hadn't, you're part of that family. You know, that icon doesn't just mean ish. I mean, to me, I made sure that I had that because, again, at that time, I wasn't training at M Theory. You know, it, but it was For important. you, it was ish more than the M Theory, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, but, you know, that would be like your pedro thing right i mean i would have gotten that if i didn't get any of the other ones i would have gotten just his because again i got all of mine from him so i would say that you would you would have that because that's the family that's that's where you get your black belt in 2068 or you know whatever year it is (laughs) Problem is, man. You Your look, words, you, not mine. You look at my family lineage, brother. It's not looking good timeline wise. <laughs> like we do not live that long, you know. <laughs> you got engaged recently. I did. Like it's still recent, right? It was like a year yeah. ago. Yeah, uh, it was in the summer. It's weird now. Yeah, twenty twenty. It is still a weird feels thing, like though. it's twenty twenty. Yeah, because it's. So was it twenty nineteen? I or mean, was stuff it that stuff that feels like it was a year ago is really two years ago. Like yeah, yeah, right? man, it totally does. Yet. And I mean, obviously, it's only 20 days into the year, but it still feels like it's 2020. So, but no, it was, it was June of 2020. Of 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. What's her name? Very lucky. Shout out. Haley. She's a singer, right? I've seen you guys sing. She is. Yes, she is. Very, very talented. Very beautiful. Very nice. Very smart. I... I way, way outkicked my coverage on this one. That's the phrase I was looking for. Yeah, yeah. way it seems to be a guy thing. Like, I mean, it's it. We do it as I a rule. I punched my people... weight. I overclubbed. I but, but <laughs> I outkicked my coverage. Use yeah. whatever sports analogy yeah. you want. I will say you posted a picture recently of you, her, and Boy Wonder. What's his real name, by the way? Is that uh, that's Andrew? Andrew. Let's go with Boy Wonder. I like Boy Wonder. Yeah, <laughs> I. Anyway, you you posted a picture of the three of you, and it looks yep. like like models out of a catalog. Like you guys just specialize in fabulous. That What's was Boy Wonder's. Uh, that was Boy Wonder's twenty first birthday. See, I, you know, I didn't describe the picture yet. You know the damn picture, and you know I'm well, right. There aren't you guys look like models. It's a amazing. ton of us three okay, together. Fair, fair I mean, you know, I mean, it all is fairly recent. Like you know, we've her and I've been dating now. I don't know a year and two three months, something like that. Yeah, because I think we got engaged, I don't know, two, five, 
seven or eight months in, you know, and we'll get married uh, later this year. So Say that again? You'll get married when? Uh, later this year. Oh, later this year. Okay. Yep. I thought you said April of this year. I was like, whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Coming um, up quick. But uh, now he's a handsome kid. I, I uh, the whole squad in that one picture. I was like, is this a, like a, from a catalog? Is this well? You got her and him, and then I just hang in the background. That's all, you know. Yeah, I see what you're trying to do there. Again, I know my place. That's why I'm behind the camera all the time. So yeah, I'm right there with you. That's why this isn't. Video. It's why I don't do mission control. You know, I'm not doing a lot of rubber guard with my knees. I know my limitations. Yeah, same you idea, know? right? It's a central philosophy to living. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, yes, I did. I, I, I uh, it's awesome. Yeah, it is nice. It's very nice. It's very refreshing. In in the early months of quarantine, you guys were doing like regular like Wednesday live stream singing, right? We had an interesting. So that was so we got together like late October, twenty nineteen was when she came out to a to an acoustic gig. Hairball was off. What's Hairball? Uh Hairball is the band that I uh that I am in. Uh it is my full-time touring gig. We play about 125 shows in a normal year. Yeah. Uh we're on the road about 150 days a year. Now you just play bass, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And sing. Ob- obligatory bass guy joke. Sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Listen, I, I if you want the best the best jokes about bass players, and I love them mm-hmm. as much as anybody does. Yeah, you should. Really yeah. Uh, look at the onion. The onion have, does a bass the, player thing? The onion. Oh, that's awesome. If you Google like onion bass player, there's about a half a dozen, you know. Yeah, just killer. Groupie accidentally sleeps with bass player. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Bass player signs two-figure deal (laughs) with local metal band. Awesome. They're fantastic. Bass Um, bass player has tens of fans, something like that. uh, You know, yeah, they're great. Now, I make that joke, but I've seen you. And it's awesome. The whole thing is awesome. So just to clarify, I'm just messing around. Uh, it's all good. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, for those of uh, of you, anybody who doesn't know what hairball is again, I mean, we we tour, uh, you know, all over the U.S. I mean, I think in my first year we played 33 different states, you know, in that year. Um and again, we do about 120 shows a year, and uh, usually to anywhere from, you know, averages about 1,500 to 3,000 a night. For my own reference, how many fit over in that Medina uh, Entertainment Center? That's where I saw you. It's got to be about two. Okay. Two right. something. Yeah. So I saw you New um, Year's 2020. Okay. So it's all my fault because I finally showed up <laughs> to a show and. Yeah. The. Uh, I think the largest we've done since I've been in the band, we did about thirteen thousand. Boy, at a show. Oh boy! And uh, yeah, that was an outdoor There's show in be Iowa. Like, arguably, almost one hundred and fifty people that listen to this. So you know, I know. Uh, buckle well, up! I buckle don't know if you're ready for up! Buckle that, up! 
But you do some acoustic stuff too. And yeah, right. And so on the on the odd weeks off, or you know, um, you know, or odd day off, I will go do an acoustic show. And so I was doing one, and that was right not too long after I had signed my divorce papers, and and I I was at the show. We had a week off. We were just playing that Saturday, I remember. And so that Friday night, why would I go home? I was like, I'll go play a show. And so uh, she uh, she was there at the show and, you know, however that works. And The rest is history. The rest is history. That was our meet cute. No. Um, say that again? <laughs> no, I'd like to keep my man card. <laughs> so I'm not going again. to say meet cute again. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so we... We started talking, and very end of October, November, December, start dating, and you know, then shutdown happens, right? Mm -hmm. We were, uh, Hairball was actually in Daytona, Florida, that week in March when everything shut down. Down, down, March 15th or whatever it was. Yep. Yep. Yeah, Friday the 13th. It was. It was, because we were... Yeah, the whole week, you know, stuff got weirder and weirder. And we played Friday, and we didn't know if we were going to play Saturday because stuff the next week had gotten canceled, so we were going home. We're supposed to play North Carolina on the way home. And uh, on that Sunday, the 15th, and then that got canceled, and then we got to, like, Friday, and we're like, uh, are we even going to play, you know, the rest of the week? Um and we actually did play Saturday, and then that was it. But um, Haley was actually down with me in Florida, you know, because I was like, well, I'm there all week. Why don't you fly down? We'll hang out. It'll be fun. Mm-hmm. And That's like, an easy sell. Yeah. Florida, let's do this. Yeah. yeah. She didn't even know if she was going to fly home. I mean, it was like they were canceling flights, and I'm like, well, you could – right at home in my bunk on the bus if you want and like she's like god i hope my flight goes through <laughs> i'm like yeah you really don't want to you really don't want to ride home on the bus if you don't have to um but so i mean we're what you know three months into dating at that point whatever for i don't know and all of a sudden everything shuts down i'm off the road you know we're all working from home we're, and here you are in a, you know, a fairly new relationship. It's like, that's going to test you, <laughs> you know, because yeah, sure. now you're around each other 24-7. And, you know, you know, luckily for us, it really bonded us two together because, you know. It well, it's like a boot camp thing. It's going to break you it's going to submit you, yep. you know. Yeah, I'm yep. assuming. Yep, no, <laughs> and it did. And, you know, we ended up. Not too long, you know, a couple months in, you know, we're like, uh, maybe we should combine households and not have, you know, two house payments and two of this yeah. and two, you oh, know, yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, and also things were going well. Yeah. So we did, you know, it was a weird year. It was a weird way. On top of everything else, it was a weird way to start a, For sure. a relationship. But she's saying for a living. Or she do something else just has yeah. to be a kick ass. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. 
So tell me what hairball is though. Like what kind of music do you play? Uh, no, I've already said that I wouldn't have seen it, but I'm trying to like, you know. Uh, we play arena rock. So 70s, 80s. I tend to equate it when I have to do interviews. I tend to equate it to if an 80s arena rock band and a Vegas review had a baby, <laughs> it would be hairball. <laughs> right? Because... yeah. You know, we'll go into these like small arenas, you know, in theaters and we'll bring what you would see in an 18,000 seat arena into a four or 5,000 seat, you know, arena and a huge drum riser, platform, staircases, pyro, video walls, smoke, fire, you know, the Vegas part of it is, you know, we've got three guys who sing for us and they all kind of do their own thing um but they go into the character of whoever the band is that's right part of the bands that we play are guys who we tend to call it the hundred foot test you know if he was standing in costume a hundred feet away could you say Mm -hmm. that's alice cooper (laughs) right i mean i love night ranger but if somebody looks like Jack Blades from Night Ranger and they're 100 yards away, you're going to go, short guy holding a guitar? I don't know, right? But yeah, yeah. if you if you're in full you know, costume of D Snyder from mm-hmm. you know, the Stay Hungry album, you go the black, the pink, the gigantic blonde wig, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. D Snyder. You know, sure. okay, you we can do, right? And so they, I mean, and, you know, spend thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars on each costume and wig and and the whole thing is done. And they go through and study, you know, the mannerisms and the way that they move. And when they go out, you know, as Prince, they go out as Dee Snyder or Freddie Mercury, Guns N' Roses, Van Halen, you know, whoever it is. Freddie Mercury? Who's up to that task? Yeah. You know, and, you know, the mannerisms and the way he walks and the way uh-huh. we're all very distinct. Yeah. And the guy who does him in our band, who's extremely talented guy, you know. Say his name. Shout out to this guy that does Freddie Frick. Chris Mercury. Vox. Say it again. Chris Vox. All right. He does Freddie. He does Prince. Like, oh. and I mean, you look at, I mean, his Prince is spot on. You're like. Huh? <laughs> Paulie said Dave Chappelle, Chappelle or Chris Vox. <laughs> Game blouses. But uh, it, uh, you know, it, it, you know, and the great thing about Hairball really is if for some reason you don't like Kiss, you know. Me. It was still a good time, though. Still a good show. Well, right? two songs later, guess what? Now it's Van Halen and then it's Motley. And then it's, you know, Queen, and then it's going to be, you know, it just goes on. So it's a two-hour show that we do. Um, It was an hour and a half when I went, but, boy, it was New Year's. It was like 1130. (laughs) I'm a 4 a.m. kind of guy. I just couldn't make it, man. I'm sorry. It was easy getting out of the parking lot, though. Oh, oh, (laughs) smart ass. Sorry, go ahead. It, uh, you know, it is a two-hour highlight reel. 
right? You're yeah, going to get the yeah, totally. hits and you're going to get on and then we're going to move on to, you know, whoever, you know, Ozzy. And then we're yeah, going to go yeah, into yeah. this and then it's going to be that. And then it's, you know. We'll have to sit through Beth by Kiss. No album cuts. You know, you're not going, <laughs> oh, God, don't play anything after your new record. We don't care. Yeah, yeah. No sane anger. We're sticking with Master Puppet. Exactly. That kind of thing. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So that is what Hairball is. This fun. Yeah. When you were doing That's those those live live streams in the early quarantine with Haley, where it was just the two of you and the dog. What's the dog's name? Charlie. Charlie. You, you Haley, and Charlie singing. I requested... Uh, 5,000 Candles in the Wind, the little <laughs> Sebastian song from Parks and Rec. Did you ever play that? Because I tried to tune into a lot of them. I did not. <laughs> Get on that, will you? <laughs> uh, I'll work on that. Dang it. You know that song? You know that show? I don't. Oh, dude. It's hilarious. It's awesome and hilarious. <laughs> I could actually probably figure out that song from The Office, though. The Which one? Um took me by the hand <laughs> from the dinner party episode yeah 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 from jan's assistant yeah oh i loved I'm it i think how the rest of it goes but I made me a man <laughs> and everyone's just sitting there going oh my god that's pretty good i loved if you look up rolling stone did a whole article mm-hmm. or a whole story on the dinner party episode Oh, really? Like a breakdown kind of... Oh, nice. I'm going to check it out. Which, that is one of my favorite episodes of The Office. Yeah. Second Office conversation. Both guys in that, that like roughly 50 years old category. I don't know. We like The Office. Yeah, man. You're not wrong. I'm just like to categorize the world is all. I haven't seen the acoustic thing. I think you, you and I chatted whether you rem- remembered or not. I went and saw the show, the New Year's show, the hairball thing. I remember and you I'm, telling like, me that you were yeah going. And I was like, yeah, it's totally cool, man, but it's also just not my vibe. Like I like old school country. I like bluegrass. I like a little more chill atmosphere, but I haven't seen the, the acoustic thing. Where do you do it? It's up north of here, north of the um, cities. I do it a lot of times at, uh, I just have a place called uh, Rockwoods, which is up in Otsego. Yeah. yeah. That's usually the place. What do you play most of the time? You stick with the same kind of genre, just the acoustic versions, or what do you? Yeah, we'll do a lot of rock. Um, we'll do some country. We'll do some pop. We'll do a little bit of everything. Um, I did a couple here this summer and fall that Haley came to, which actually is great because then I don't have to sing every song the whole night. You know, that's... Yeah. <laughs> somebody else to take up some of the load. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. You know, again, it's another side of my life outside of jujitsu yet it's very much part of who i am and actually when when i got hired i know that was something about me that they actually liked you know they knew that stuff i mean um you know but they're like yeah you know somebody that maybe disciplined might be good for the band you know that, that, that. so it wasn't like a concern <laughs> like okay you got all this other stuff you're trying to do they right. actually liked it like yes. cool you're sticking to that thing right yep you know you've got some discipline you clearly follow a lifestyle that is kind of grounded and you know you might be able to help us out at a cd gas station down in kansas on a road trip (laughs) that's happened you think that was actually part of the part of the motivation Uh, did you say that's happened well you run into some weird things out on you use some jujitsu while out on the road Um, 
Luckily, it did not come to that. But tell me about it, though. Oh, well, there was just you know a couple guys who were who who were getting into a thing, and I. Th- I think in in like a bar to... or like a show or no? What, what it was at it? a gas station. It was, you know. <laughs> of course, it was. <laughs> yep. And I think one of our other guys was kind of getting pulled into it, or he was, you know, there. And then they started including him, and it was like, okay, let's just let's let's de-escalate here and not get, you know. I mean, it's never uh, not to go all roadhouse, but you know, yeah. nobody nobody really wins, you know. Or at least nobody ever. Few times does does anybody come out completely unscathed? Correct. You know? Yeah. And so the ground is hard for everybody that hits it. Absolutely. So it was, you know, that was just having having the temperament and the wherewithal to stay calm. Which is a jujitsu thing, right? Mm-hmm. Very like much. Like if you if you if it seems to me that like the ability to de-escalate is centered on the ability to fight if you need to. Right. Absolutely. Like if I'm in a confrontation and I actually don't tactically, technically know what I'm going to do, I'm just going to rage and use power and flail my parts. Right. Well, we're all getting screwed. We're all getting hurt in that situation. But if you know, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to duck that punch. I'm going to double leg take down, you know, whatever it is. Then if it does come to it, you can just calmly apply that plan. Oh, God, I had that happen. I had it at the boy was playing basketball which they did a group of them from the football and the lacrosse team got into playing basketball in the winter right because they were all off you know anyway for the most part so they joined like this kind of house league basketball thing right which is like semi-contact i think it's not full contact but like house league basketball sounds like And none of them were very good basketball players. Like, a couple of them were okay, but, you know, they were all just really good athletes. Right. I can move from here to there, and there's a ball involved. We'll figure that out. And so, you know, a lot of these were the kids who couldn't play high school ball, right? So they weren't very good, you know. Right. And so, but these guys got by on sheer athleticism. You know, they could outrun everybody almost. You know, so they get to some end of the year tournament thing or or whatever, and they start whooping up on this team. <laughs> yeah, and again, some of the teams were the kids who couldn't play high school ball because maybe a disciplinary problem or a grade problem or, you know, something too. So, you know, at the end, the teams got better, you know. Again, though, they were all really great athletes, so – even if they couldn't always land, they would get down to the other end way before anybody else and could just, through speed, have enough time to actually score more than mm-hmm. you're going to score on them. And yeah, Better comes easier for some people. Yes. Yeah. So they get in this game, and in the handshake after they, after they whoop this other team, one of them pushes one of them or took a swing, and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you know, and it had gotten chippier and chippier mm-hmm. as the game went on, mm-hmm. and as they won, you know, as the score got run up, you know, and so shit goes nuts. Kid, you know, all the kids are on the floor, and the coaches are trying to separate them, and and um, 
and a bunch of the parents from the other team go running out on the floor and I'm like, <laughs> what? And it happened kind of in front of, of our stands and our, our group. And so I'm like, okay, this isn't good. This isn't, you know, this isn't a fair fight. This is, you know, as our boys kind of were like getting kind of separated and came over towards their bench and towards us, uh, toward our group of parents, you know, I hopped up and I'm like, okay, guys, get, oh, you know, get out of the, get out of the area, you know, go get, get. And the first thing I had this mom come, you know, again from the other thing. So they came completely across the court, you know, and they're screaming and yelling at the kids. And I'm like, what in the fuck is wrong with you people? And, you know, and this lady's screaming at me and, you know, I'm just like, stay calm. And I just looked at it and I go, fuck you. <laughs> go away. Go, what, you know, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, lady? First, f- go fuck yourself and go away. Get, a, you know, and then right behind her came this guy and he is just raging. I mean, he is, his eyes are flipped and he's screaming at me that he's a policeman. I'm a police officer and I, I blah, 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 and he's just, going nuts and and i looked at him and I, I did the same thing just dead calm i go fuck you first of all i go and go sit the fuck down and he's like, oh, i'm a cop I'm, I'm like i don't care what you are i go right now you're yelling at kids so again go fuck yourself let me repeat and go, yeah and i go sit down and, he's, oh, and i go sit down sit I just kept repeating dead calm sit down sit down go sit down and finally he stopped and was like you know I'm like I'm not gonna escalate this you know but well well, because you didn't it threw him off right that's his oh he looked completely yeah Yeah, that's his game and you didn't play it so he's like hoping I was gonna lose my shit and I'm like "Uh uh-uh you know just go sit down you know, but that's the thing, you know, I mean, people, you know, like you said, you know, people who go, yeah, well, I'm just going to lose my shit and I'm going to see red, bro. And start. You better back off. Somebody's getting hurt. and It's not me. Yeah. Well, he probably is, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, but that's kind of all part of. I've been choked, man. Right. Like, well, that's like one you, of the you, benefits you of jujitsu. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, you can. You know, you can stand in a spot like that and stay pretty calm, at least, yeah. you know, and go, mm-mm, you know, go sit down, go sit down. This is not, this, no, this, this is not going to end well for you. Don't, don't do this. Yeah. I did you know? two eight rounds with Rocco the other it's, day, bro. You got nothing to uh, offer yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, is the ability, you know, you hear it all the time of like, you know, it, put you in a really bad place and you have to problem solve, right? And it's perfectly true. Yeah. I've probably driven my kid nuts, <laughs> you know, over the years. I mean, still just the other day, I'm like, oh, Andrew, think about it like jujitsu, right? You're in a terrible position. You know, you're under pressure. And now you have to make a good decision on how to solve that problem and get out of that spot. Yeah, dad, I know. Okay, you know. Um, but it's true, 
right? I mean, when, I mean, so often when, when stuff goes downhill, whether it's, you know, you know, it's an altercation like that, or there's a, a house fire, there's a flood, there's, you know, the people who stay calm have a whole lot higher chance of living, right? You know, I mean, they're going to yeah. probably be the ones that live, not the ones that lose their mind and the ones panic. that help solve the problem. Right. Yeah. You know, and that's another great benefit of jujitsu. Composure. Yeah. I mean, you can go, all right, let's solve this problem. Why? Because I've been, you know, I've been underneath, you know, insert large guy's name here, yeah. you know, rolled up in a ball. We used to have a guy. Um, well, I just go with my hair. I've been underneath yeah. my hair. I've been underneath <laughs> my hair. And, you know, in some form of pretzel form. Yeah, right. You know, in, in some kind of pretzel form. And then I've gone, okay, self. Where do we go to A, not make this any worse, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and B, hopefully get that out of here because yeah. this, this sucks. It's about to get salted. Right, exactly. Pretzel. Yeah. Okay. I know where you're going with that. <laughs> I was just glad you didn't go oh. with any cheese sauce don't, reference. That's but, very triggering, sir. Well, don't say cheese sauce or pizza. Hard left turn. Yeah. But, you know. It's a great thing to know, you know, it helps a lot of different aspects of life, mm-hmm, for you sure. know, where you go, okay, I'm in a tight spot of whatever kind, you know, of any kind of pressure. And, you know, Lord knows adult life has plenty of kinds of pressure to go, all right, what's my best move here? That's part of the lifestyle, if you will. The journey. The journey. My journey. Your journey. Whoever's journey. Speaking of journey, you ever play any journey? Oh yeah. Yeah. What 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 are the like the same the, guy who does Freddie does uh, does Steve, Steve Perry? Yeah. I think you guys Looks did eerily like no. him in that wig too. It's well, no, crazy. I was just gonna say I think you guys did some journey because I remember going, "What? Look at that! That's the guy." He looks like early Steve. Okay. Like long. You know, longer hair, Steve, but he look. God, he looks just like him. It's scary. So, New Year's twenty twenty, the New Year's Eve show. Yep. Would you guys do the full costumes? I don't remember yep. that. You did, like the full change out into each band oh, yeah. and all that. Okay, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to. The lead guy is right. the main thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, the three of us who were on the stage the whole show, me, the drummer, and the guitar player. You know, we're out the whole oh, show, okay. and we just stay. Kind of in, yeah. I was just rock so guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, leather rocker pants. guy outfit. Yeah, leather pants. I have some leather pants. I have some rubber pants. I have all rubber pants. pants. <laughs> rubber pants sounds like a band name from the nineties. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Wait, hold on, you're recent to hairball. Uh, coming up on two years. Oh, okay. So in my head, you just assume that there's like an object permanence thing, like an infant, right? Right. Like. Oh, that guy's in a band. Cool. He's been in that band for like 30 years, but that's not the case. Just the last few years? Yeah. What did you do before that? Uh, right before that, I was doing um, I was doing a, uh, a 70s 
tribute thing. So huge disco pants and the whole it, it was a it was a it was a whole thing. I am so happy with this question. Like seventies disco, like not like it wasn't not disco. like Skinner, but like it was seventies. So um, to get specific, it was do it. It was not disco. It was actually seventies AM radio. So a ton of like seventies one hit wonder mm-hmm. pop stuff. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but lots of bell bottoms and huge collars and yeah. the whole huh? No. No, but they were so they were disco. Right? You, say, you say Boogie Wonderland. Yeah. You're asking if he was okay. And we tried to stay out of that niche, like, and again, it was so. What it would be now would probably be called yacht rock. More. I totally got you. I so, get it now. Yeah. You know, and at that time, nobody was really doing that, and so we really kind of had a we had a niche. It was a thing, and it a little bit of an innovation there. Yeah. Yep, it worked well. But that was what I was doing. I was doing that, and then I was doing uh, on the side of that. I was doing a lot of acoustic shows, local, and I was doing a bunch. Um, and then a few times a year, I did Pearl Jam tribute as well. Awesome. You and, and so, some other people, kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. So you don't do that anymore, though. Nope. Oh, that'd be no time. Cool. That'd be cool to see. It was fun. I mean, it was a fun, um, you know, we had, there's a handful of other bands that we did, you know, always like a multi-band thing. So we would come out and do an hour, an hour and a half of Pearl Jam. You know, there was an Alice in Chains tribute that we played with a lot. There was a Nirvana tribute we played with a lot. We did some shows uh, with a Soundgarden tribute a couple times. We did one with a Weezer tribute a couple times. It was always some other like you know, era. You well, know, even, the, even the even the hairball show I saw there was a Tom Petty, uh, right? Tom Petty group ahead yep. of it, which again just a slightly slightly over here, but still interesting, still really fun yeah. to hear, sort of thing. Yep, absolutely. So I love bell bottoms. I want them to like legit come back, like that a guy like me could wear straight up bell bottoms, exactly what you're picturing, denim. Big at the bottom, bell right. bottoms, right? And, and that's not, what and I did. not get looked at like right. in the world. Now, that's awesome. You know, and that's I tried the polyester thing a while, but it really didn't work. I went and I had probably two or th- eh, three or four pair made of denim that were, you know, they were great. Plus, they were comfortable as hell. For sure, yeah. So. But I'm like a, a, a like I was born in 1985, so I was like a child slash adolescent when Jinko jeans became a oh, thing. Oh yeah, which is like, no bell bottoms were cool. Let's make them fat and ugly all the way down, right. and they're super comfortable. <laughs> just big baggy jeans. You're you might just... as well be wearing sweatpants, you know. So I don't know. I love the idea of bell bottoms in general. I don't know. I started playing clubs in 1988. So. Long pregnant pause there. I like it. It's a long time ago. First, first club, club you played? I ever played was uh, the Broadway Bar in Elk River. The first bar. I was 15 or 16. You know, everybody, I think everybody else was like 22, 23 in the band. And I was this young, young kid. I looked old enough that most club owners didn't really bother me much. And, you know. But I would, and again, 
So a different time frame, right? You know, this was when, you know, I mean, there was live music seven days a week all over town. I mean, all, uh, you know, most all bars that had music had music all week long. It's just, you know, how it was. But, you know, we weren't very good, so we tended to play Sunday through Thursday. It was about about as good of a gig. If we could have a Thursday night, that was a good, like, oh, dude, we got a Thursday. But usually it was like Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Sunday, Monday, you know, because, you know, we just weren't all that good. You know, I was young. I wasn't, you know, I was green. But that's where you kind of pay your dues, cut your teeth, and, you know, learn how to, learn how to do this thing. And again, I would go play till 1am, drive home, unload gear, slide into high school, (laughs) you know, always tried to, always tried to befriend the, the person that was usually a girl who was the attendance person first hour. Yeah, man. Play the game. You gotta play the game. You know, you gotta know who that is so Mm -hmm. that you can kind of go, all right. So I got a gig Tuesday. So Wednesday morning, uh, can you just mark me present and I'll kind of slide in second hour because I'm coming in hot, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, that, that, that helped me a lot. Who who do you like? You're not, you play guitar too? Yeah. Yeah. You play a few instruments, I'm assuming. Yeah. What do you play? Like brand? I'm sorry, what uh, instruments do you play, oh, sir? Oh, um, piano, guitar, bass. Those are really the only ones I can play with any competency. Yeah. I'm a, you know, I'm a pretty hack harmonica player. Me totally too. hack drummer. Yeah. I love, you know, har- I, can, I love the harmonica, but like, yeah, same kind of thing. Like, yeah, I've, I can I kind of make noise together. in key if I grab yeah. the right one and, you know, but... Yeah. You just stick with Neil Young because that's all he did too. You know what I mean? Is that a chord? Uh, well, it's know. like one. Yeah, it's like two notes. Like yeah, so, if yeah. I know when to inhale and exhale yep. at the right point, I'm good. Suck and blow, just like in high school. That card game is a card game, not anything weird. Sorry, that's a Clueless reference. The movie Clueless. Anyway, continue. <laughs> I'm like prom night. What are we? Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, uh, no. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, like doing that versus, you know, trying to play Blues Traveler. That's a whole other thing. Right, yeah, Popper's different. Yeah. I get, all this is a big, long, like, lead into like, should we talk about Eddie Van Halen? Oh, we'll get there. But first, I actually did Go. see, uh, the only time I ever saw Blues Traveler live was, yeah. I saw Blues Traveler at the Fillmore. Okay. The real one. Mm-hmm. In San Francisco. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Now, was it Fat John Popper or Skinny Bound John Popper? Uh, fairly Fat John Popper. I don't know why that makes a difference to me, but well, good for him for dropping the weight. But it, well, he's had the a, eras, right? Yeah. I mean, haven't have, we all? You know, well, you had early Elvis, and then you have Fat Elvis, <laughs> yeah, right? So, yeah, yeah. Um, there's Skinny Luther and Big Luther. You right, know? they both sound good. He was amazing though, because at one point in the show, the power went out, and mm-hmm. I don't know what blew. Or what happened, but he came out and sat because, like, one mic and two lights worked. And he came out, and he did did the song Imagine, Lennon, just him and the harp. And I was just sat there with my mouth on the floor like, 
oh my, I should just quit playing music because oh, this man. isn't like, I, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. It was amazing. So cool. That's so, the cool so, thing so about cool. the harmonica. I'm actually, I, I, I want to be harmonica guy, so I love that you brought it up. The cool thing is, like, I don't need to switch to a different guitar. I just move the microwave, microwave, microphone away, and now I'm acoustic, and I can just go. Like, yeah. you literally just have a, a harmonica in your pocket yep. and just play and do your thing. Yep, he did. He came out to the very front edge of the stage and just, yeah. you know, he's like, well, they're going to work, so here, we're going to just... And I sat there, yeah, you don't have to have them play anymore. We're good. Just Yeah, let it go. Like, you just do this all night, you know. Yeah. Which, speaking of Halen, uh, we went to, uh, we were in Vegas last year, and and we were there for the opening night of David Lee Roth's residency. Again, everything in, like, early 2020 really gets, yeah, you know, blown out of, you know, memory because, like, then the world shut down and what the fuck happened before that? I, I don't even remember. Yeah, what year was that? Was right. it two years ago? I don't know. Um, but we went um, and, you know, he was clearly getting his feet, you know, under him again because we saw him like two months later um, with Kiss and the show was much better. Like musically, like him, well, vocally, I should say. His band was super tight you know whoever he hired were you know all these like younger guys super great players ready to go yep um but him vocally that opening night was you know was not really great it was still great because i love dave yeah and um the roth show podcast is some amazing stream of consciousness stuff I would imagine yeah I mean look it up on YouTube they're all over YouTube yeah yeah and he talks about everything from martial arts to uh-huh. you know just all kinds of stuff and he'll go off on complete tangents and I feel bad for for his Polly <laughs> you know the guy who's yeah, trying to keep up with that who's trying like- to rein him in and get him on you know and keep him on yeah, try to keep up with sixty-two-year-old David Lee <laughs> on Roth. subject, and yeah. yeah. Um, but the great thing about the show in Vegas, you know, because it was all, you know, it was an evening with it was, you know, no opening band, no nothing. He was the headliner. He was everything. You know, was you could have really taken out the stuff, but he would sit and rap and talk. You know, and he told stories about like going to see, you know, Cool and the Gang. You know, or whoever, like in the you know, like in the early seventies, yeah. You know, in California, or going to see this, or hanging out here, and do that, like. And I'm like, yeah, you don't even have to play; just sit and tell stories. Because yeah. I would read your biography. So if you're gonna tell me your biography, let's go. It was fantastic. Yeah, it was just, you know, but uh, yeah. Now, um, now the loss of Eddie. Mm-hmm. You know, again. It sucks that it happened because, like, think of when Freddie died. You know, I you mean, look at him and ask that one. Just getting back to birth dates, but yeah, I feel yeah. you. There was a huge tribute concert yeah. that you can still see. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, not, yeah, okay. I yeah, mean, yeah. amazing. I mean, it was at Wembley, and everybody and their mother played, and they went through, and you know, I mean, even some of the stuff from that show, like the. George Michael 
version of someone to love is like, mm-hmm. like who knew, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but it sucks that it happened in 20. I mean, yes. it sucks that it happened. Yes. Period. It sucks that it happened in 2020 because we couldn't do anything about it. Yeah, you know, especially from like a fan perspective. Right. Like, well, there's the end of that. I mean, I wasn't surprised. I knew that it was coming. Yeah. Uh, the last photos of him that were published were like January, February, and he looked bad. And I knew that it was a year or even two years earlier. They were talking about um, reuniting and getting Michael Anthony in the band again. And there were different things out that now have come out that they were actually trying to get everybody back. They were even going to get Gary Sharon, who did one album with them as the singer and, you know, have, have Dave and Sammy and Gary have everybody back. Full legacy. And, kind of thing. Yep. And Eddie just, his health just was not, That's you know, and, uh, you know, because it was a couple years ago where Dave actually leaked, you know, that they were going to go out and, and then when that didn't happen, it was like, I wonder why, uh, you yeah. know, and then it was when his, when his residency was announced. So late, later 2019, you know, they, uh, you know, and they asked him, they go, you know, so you're going to play Vegas and what do you mean? What, why isn't, why isn't Van Halen you know, blah, blah, blah. What does this mean? And he even said then, he goes, you know, uh, Eddie's not going to make the call this time. You know, he's not going to, um, what did he say? He's not going to answer the bell, you yeah. know, that he's just, health isn't there. And so when he made that public of a statement, it was like, okay, well, that's like, you wouldn't say that if there was any other chance or sure. you wouldn't, you know. Kind of see the writing on the wall. And then he did that. And then when he expanded and he announced that he was going to go out on the road with Kiss, mm-hmm. it was like, well, yeah, clearly he's moving on, you know. And that's not going to signal anything good. Right. So. Kind of the point of no return at that point. Yep. Unfortunately. And, yeah. And then again, you know. When those photos of Eddie came out early, like probably right around a year ago, and he just did not look good. You know, Eddie was just, you know how it looks. I mean, you know, I mean, I've, I've walked my mom, you know, I mean, I watched her go downhill. I watched my son's mom go downhill and, you know, like, it hits a point where you you just look at him and then you go, this isn't good. And that's what happened with Eddie, you know. And it was sad, but I was not surprised. But, you know, hopefully, um, and just as, well, like last week, I think Sammy made a statement that something will happen. You know, we'll do some kind of a tribute show, you know. They have to. I mean, that guy changed how the guitar was played, you know. I mean, you have Hendrix and you have him, and I don't think anybody else has really really changed the way that the instrument was played. 
Certainly not like modern electric guitar. Right. Right. You could get into the early years or whatever, but yeah, like whoever invented flamenco. You know, well, now yeah. we're going to play with all yeah, four bro, fingers. and That we, guy. Yeah, whoever that guy is. I'm sure they had a... He was like, let's put 12 strings on it, too. Let's see what happens. Yeah, why not? Yeah, my guy was John Prine. Aren't you familiar with John Prine? Mm-hmm. He, he died May 2020, somewhere in there. It was like one year to the day after, or to the like week. Is that right? Something like that after my old man and I went to see him and my dad does not go to that stuff. Mm. It was like me hitting him up like, hey, let's go see John Prine, just throwing it out there for grins, you know? And he was like, yeah, because like Prine tunes are our <laughs> thing. It's like in the in the ethos, you know? And then sure enough, man, COVID gets him. It, uh, you know, again, it was just such a weird year. Such mm-hmm. a weird year. And it's affected things that it didn't even really affect, if that makes any sense. Like, you know, even stuff that happened right before, again, you think of like, oh, when was that again? What year was that? 2017. Was that two, three years ago? No, that was just last year. Like, wait, what? You know, it just yeah. messed everything up. Well, I, I, um, I got a blue belt right before. That's right. Well, then you take like 10 months off and it's like, Am I a blue belt? <laughs> what? You show up and they're like, all right, warming up with takedowns. Do I have and you're to like, give this hey, back? Is... Do I have to give this back? Yeah, no, some, re- somebody tell me a takedown. I'm supposed to warm up with takedowns. What's a takedown? Like, you just have no idea. It's like it, the, the dictionary wasn't thick and dense enough, you know? Right. Well, true, though. I mean, it, it just, it, it, it messed up everything, you know? Super weird. But. Who, who's your, I, I, that's the first, the original question I asked. Who's your guy? Who's like your. Your favorite bass player, guitar player, who's your muse, who's the one Ooh. you really looked up to or whatever? Uh, I guess it depends on on what, in, I mean, so when I was a little kid, you know, my uncle gave my brother and I a copy of Kiss Alive 2. I was like five. And at five years old, man, they were just, I mean, it was like, they were like superheroes, Right, it was like straight out of a comic book. It was a comic book. I have Wasn't it. Wasn't there? Yeah, you do. Yeah, good. Uh, printed in real kiss blood. Yeah. <laughs> true. They 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 showed up at the printing plant and they dumped in a little blood into the red ink, and that was you know that was the whole thing. So right, hold on, real kiss blood. Are you telling me a story, or did they actually do that? They did that. They did. They did. I love it. It's actually on. There's whole like news. Oh yeah. Toys, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> That's so, the coolest thing I've ever heard. Yep. So like they were the first ones, right? Like they were the first thing, five years old. I'm like, Yeah, yeah. fuck Sesame Street. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be in KISS, you know? And so Kiss Alive Two, which came with these temporary tattoos. Ooh, Kiss Alive Polly, I'm very impressed. That's Handing out, Kiss Alive. Hand, handing out vinyl here. Kiss the originals. Oh, Polly, I am super impressed that you have this album. But this is Kiss the Originals. The originals. So let's see if this is this is even a first pressing. Because mine, I have one. It says on it, second pressing. This is an original pressing. God, it's so Polly. That's so the, the fact that he this. the fact that he has that is so Polly, and I'm upset. So the thing, so they released three records, and nobody gave a shit. 
First record out, nothing. Second record out, nothing. Third record out, nothing. They were just about to get dropped from their label. And they're like, well, what if we do a live record? And we're like, okay. You know, that's easy enough. And like these first three records were came out in like 18, 19 months, like less than two years, I think it was. Three records. I mean, you th- think of that nowadays and be like, you release three records in two years? Yeah, you get one every like three years now. Right. Yeah. Well, if you're Guns N' Roses, hell, that would <laughs> t- take decades. Um, then they release this, you know, live. And this blows up. All of a sudden, everybody's like, kiss, 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 kiss. And then they released this, which had all three original records in it. Like, here's what you missed, you fuckers. Here's what you missed. So if you didn't go buy each one, which we hope you did anyway, Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. do now, here's this other thing, you know, to us. This is really cool. I'm totally (laughs) impressed that you have that. Does that speak to, is that that yet another thing that speaks to Gene Simmons' genius? Like, okay, we got their attention. Let's put out that other crap again. Possible. I don't know if it was back then. Yeah, 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 yeah. And to be, well, for people, excuse me, often think that he runs that band. He really doesn't. Sure. It's pretty well known that Paul Stanley yeah, yeah. Nothing happens in Kiss without him saying so. Yeah. He's just kind of the show. Right. He yeah. doesn't talk as much. He doesn't do, you know, 9,000 interviews a year. And he doesn't tell everybody that he's the most important human on earth. But nothing really happens in that band Yeah, without him saying, that's what we're going to do. Yeah, I don't remember the uh, the Family Jewels Paul Stanley edition. Yeah, no, yeah. he does not... Uh, yeah, that's not really his thing. But um, I'm a little embarrassed. I knew the title of that show. That I threw it out. There. Oh, that's good. But so I mean, that's really where, like, you know, I would play a live two in my room and throw little, you know, air guitar concerts, and God knows what my mom thought when I was singing some of those lyrics at like six, seven, eight, nine years old, and like, you're gonna what? <laughs> You want to do what with her what? She's going to do what with your love gun? Yeah. I was going to say, what's a love gun? What are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, So God knows what my mom, you know, had to have thought. I mean, I remember my dad actually took and scratched into the top of our record player. The volume cannot go over this. Of course, my brother and I were like, well, if we take the knob off and put it backwards, that means it can go just a little further. Scratch in. I'm sorry, Dad. On it. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, so that's where it started, you know. Then, uh, God must have been late elementary school, junior high, where I watched the song "Remains the Same." I don't know it. Led Zeppelin. Oh, it is the Zeppelin concert movie. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. You okay. know, for yeah, years yeah. was all there was. Uh, you know, in all honesty, not really their best performance, but until like until about two thousand one, it was the only live stuff. You know, outside of odd bootleg stuff that there was. So it was all we had. It was the greatest thing. You know, we were like, oh, the Zeppelin movie. But my brother uh, brought it home, uh, 
and him and his friends watched it. And for some reason, it's rated R. No idea why. But they, so he was having his two friends sleep over. My dad went and rented it from the, uh, from the little video store back when we used to have those. Mm-hmm. This and is probably before Blockbuster even. It was just the local video Pre-Blockbuster. Store. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was all the like little. The video hut or yep. something. And uh, he went and rented it, and it was rated R. And I remember him saying, you don't go down there and watch that with those boys. Right? That's the wrong thing to say. You know, because you know, they're four years older than me. And I'm like, why? Just It's rated R. Don't go watch that movie. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. So, of course, <laughs> they watch it that night. They get up in the morning. They, they go up to have breakfast. I go downstairs. I watch the movie. <laughs> and... You know, I'm like, oh, that's what I want to do when I grow up. I want to be that. And it was weird because I dug, like, I dug what the singer did. I I dug what the guitar did. I dug what the bass even did. Like, I'm like, oh, that's cool. I I I dig that. It was just all cool. I was I just want to do that. I don't even know what that means. Like, I could be any of those guys. I don't know what it means, but that's what I want to do. And so, you know, and then it just kind of snowballed, you know, different bands. And, you know, growing up, our house always had music on. I mean, my folks, uh, big into the Beatles, big into Three Dog Night, lots of Three Dog Night, um, lots of lots of surf rock, lots of Beach Boys, Jan and Dean, you know. So, you know, there was always music on in the house, and but, man, Kiss and Z- and uh, Kiss and Led Zeppelin were like that was it. I was just like, that's that's what I want to be. That's what I want to do. You know, and then the '80s exploded, and there was tons of great, you know, tons of great music, and it got ridiculous from there, of course. And then you entered into the '90s, and you know. But, you know, late 80s, I began playing clubs and, you know, because then it wasn't too long after because I, I, I probably played my first gig, which was in a kid's garage, summer after eighth grade. So how old, how old are you then? 14? Yeah. So, yeah, so 14, I played a kid's garage that summer. That fall, we played a Halloween party which was the first paying gig. So the f- first actual gig, no money. Then we pl- played my first paying gig. We, we got paid 50 bucks. Somewhere I have a Xerox copy of the $50 bill That's that we awesome. got. That's so Somewhere awesome. I have it, I think still. And uh, and then like ninth grade. So then I had... So that had been the fall of like ninth grade. I got out of ninth grade in the summer between ninth and tenth grade. I joined my first. Um, I hooked up with the older guys, and by that next year we were playing a bar. Yep. And I don't know how many gigs this is later, but couple, couple three dozen. Couple three dozen. For sure. Couple thirteen, For fourteen sure. shows later. Here we are. 
back then. Okay, well, <laughs> this is, I was excited. I was excited when he goes, hey, would you, would you do this? I'm like, yeah. Do a little unpaid press. I'm like, shit, yeah. I'll do it now. I'll do it next year again if you want me to. <laughs> I'm like, this is awesome. I want to be the first returning we can make guest that of the... We can make you that know? happen. I said I said to Marcus that we'd bring him back in, do like tournament wrap ups and stuff, and then I listened to oh, the there. Marcus episode a couple more times. I was just like, I, I don't know. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> I love that you began or was it in the preview? Whatever you're like Hono was online where you're like, Okay, so we're gonna play a drinking game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and every, every time, time the market says, right. says right, take a drink, you'll be hammered in the first three minutes. Right, pro tip <laughs> buckle up. I asked you a while back if you had seen uh, the movie Role Models. And this is part of the reason why I don't like, like I'm becoming more and more against like instant messenger, Facebook messenger, text messages, because I feel like that face you did right there was exactly what your response was, but it was like an instant messenger thing. Because I was just checking in with a guy that I knew liked rock and roll. I'd be like, hey, did you see this awesome movie where they used Kiss in an amazing way? And you said yes, right? I did. And that was... um Actually, I had a friend introduce me to that movie because I did not see it at first or yeah, it's like 2008 the, or something, yeah. like forever ago. Yep, and he's like, dude, did you ever see the movie Role Models? I'm like, Role Models? No. He goes, oh, you got to see it. It's I'm like, so why? Good. He goes, I'm not going to tell you why, but you just have to wait and wait till the end because yeah. you'll, yeah. you'll know why I'm asking you this question. I'm like, oh, okay. All the way. Go all the way. I just love, oh, no, I, I love it. I don't know. Drink this. It's probably poison. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Oh God. That movie is classic comedy. It's going to go down with the oh. all-time best with the kiss element at the end. The kiss, Myanthia. Oh, the LARPing. So I, good. So my uh, Haley has a has a friend who who LARPs. Awesome. And I remember when when I showed her that movie, she's like. There's a name for it. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a name for it. <laughs> it's LARPing. It's live action role play. She's like, how did you know that? And I'm like, well, from role models. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. You haven't watched it? Here, you got to watch this. That's It's peak Paul Rudd. Which oh, is, yeah. He was in Clueless. That's the second Paul Rudd reference, even though we didn't acknowledge it. Sorry. Well, he was on Friends. Paul Rudd was on Friends? Did a one episode type of thing, or what did he no, do? No, he, uh, he did a handful. Yeah. He was Phoebe's at the end. Um, it was his like like how uh, Clooney was on Roseanne. No, Clo- Ro- Roseanne's. No. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you were there. I'm watching well, it in syndication, well, so I'll take if the word. If he was Clooney, was first on the f- Facts of Life. No, I didn't say first. He was on I know, Roseanne. But, I, but I'm, I'm with just you. Yeah, yeah. Saying if you want to really go early, sure, sure. He was on the Facts of Life, for what, God's sake. What did you say his name was, Paulie? Oh. Oh. Yeah, Miss Garrett. Miss Garrett. He <laughs> He's just like, shout out to Tootie. <laughs> no, it was after they had their little inn or their place. It was after they were out of school. He was like the handyman or something like that. Clooney was a handyman? Allegedly. That doesn't sell for me. I'm sorry. Did, yeah. He would have been too young then. So my friend Paulie here told me a few weeks ago that he bought a bass and got all excited about playing bass a while back. Really? But like, you know, it's like me with jujitsu. <laughs> what, what should he do? Should he pick it up again? Why not? 
It's been how many years? Eight years. So he's his fingers are his his fingers are well rested. That's why you buy guitars so you can hang them on the wall and they look fucking awesome. I know guys that do that who you don't do? even play. Oh man, who've never really played, but they just like how they look. They hang them up on their wall. I go, they're right, but all right, hmm. you know. <laughs> That's where I started when I played, quote unquote, right? Well, it's like, like in, it's like stolen valor, like stolen rock star valor or something. I feel like it all depends on how you introduce it, right? What, I mean, what if mean? when people come in, if you go, yeah, it's my bass. <laughs> I thump at the bass. <laughs> yeah, thump at the bass. Oh. I was going to say I'm all about that bass, but I like your reference much oh. better. Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd again. How'd what the like hell's that? the name of that movie? My Oh, God, I just had it in my head. Um, uh, my, my buddy that lives in the basement, or what is it? <laughs> slapping the bass. It's slapping. Slapping the bass. Um, it's not Yes, Man. Uh, I love one. you, man. I love you, man. I love you, man. I was like, God, I had it in my head, and there's, then it, it left. There's somebody listening right now going, I love you, man. Just say it. We got it. I found myself doing that in the other episodes where I was like, well, who's that guy? And you would know. Yeah. You know, like I knew that he was looking it up, and I'm like, it's, you know. Yeah. It's not Frank Shamrock. It's Ken Shamrock. Oh, dude. We didn't even correct that one, did we? uh Uh-uh. Yeah, we did. He said it, and I was like, mental note. I'm going to bring it up. And then beer, you know. Yeah. What have you. So if you um, listen to some of these previous conversations, you heard one of the last questions, which was, you've, you're a black belt. Mm-mm. You've taught some classes. No way, dude. No way, dude. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That'd have been the best answer possible. What's what's the advice you give to any Kids. level? <laughs> no, see, I don't do a very good-ish. And no, hold on, hold on. Now pause, because I was going to throw this in when you were talking about doing the different bands i'm like so Sling you blade. are a professional oh. impersonator right we do deaf leopard and we do four non-blondes and whatever else you do Mm-mm. no way dude <laughs> that is why is that the most accurate one like that's totally ish go ahead go do ish Mm-mm. no way dude uh-uh the thing with the ish thing and i when when <laughs> when marcus did it and his Voice was actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah his ish yeah. Was, was 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 yes was pretty good. Yes, it was. Uh, Kevin's not so much. Kevin was but Mike Tyson. I said it. He, he true. He was like he owned it though, which was great. Yeah, but ish. Um, the thing with ish, and so when Marcus did it, I was like, yeah, but you're missing the mannerisms. That's the thing. Yeah. See, like I don't think. This is a visual impersonation. Ju- absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like, just the audio of me, probably not good, but you see the head and the head shake and the, the no eye. way, dude. Uh-uh. Kids! Like, you, you know, it's the whole thing. It's He is a visual, he is a yeah. physical. Yeah. Imp- like, you got to have the mannerisms down, too. It's that sketchy-eyed dog from Family Guy, just that side-eyeing everybody. That's ish. Just he's all eyes. Yeah. It's going to be hard. We're going to go in on Sundays. Comp train. We're going to train hard. So if you don't, you know. 
It's going to be hard. Not 1210, <laughs> not 1208. 12 not 1208. You're going to stay, you know, don't leave early. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> you know, it's. <laughs> We're all so bad at it, but it's just funny to do. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, God, I think about it and it's like, God, I've known Ish a long time. Yeah, man. You know, you've internalized. You inter- I said that in like one of the other ones. Like, we imprint on each other. So like I pick up mannerisms from other people, especially when I'm around them. And then when you're around them a lot, like it, it becomes permanent. You know what I mean? So that's kind of why I was like, oh, let's see who can kind of, you know, knows the, the script better than the other people. Right. right. So I'm going to go there. I have my hand there. Right. Right. Okay. That's exactly, <laughs> you know, just, just say right a lot. Just, it, it, well, it's true. God. It, uh Okay, anyway, I interrupted you with you were No, it's good you interrupted me because I almost neglected that element of this conversation because I was going into the you've got a white belt in front of you, a blue belt in front mm. of you. As a black belt, at any given level, what's like your succinct elevator elevator pitch advice for people at the various different levels it's in, been in their interesting. journey? Yeah, well, I love that you keep using the word your journey. Your journey. Um, so having listened to the other interviews and yeah, I was like, okay, well, you know, Brian, you better have a good answer for that. And, you know, I liked parts of, of all of them, you know? And I'm like, yeah, that's true. I mean, the one thing that none of them did, I mean, Jeremy kind of mentioned it a little bit, but my advice to any of them and, you know, having the life that I've had and the, the, the journey I've had and you know being a full-time touring musician I can't heed my own advice but the first advice I tell all of them show up it's ours as much as it's not a a a step by step you know we'll come 20 times and then you will get your this and then at 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 40 classes, now you'll be a this, Johnny, you know. And, you know, I loved Jeremy's analogy or his, his example of the guy who goes, oh, so you do jujitsu. Yeah, my kid, he just got a, a black belt at age eight. <sighs> Gotta go. Yeah, yeah. You know. Taekwondo. It's true, though. I, well, yeah. you know, insert whatever. Sure, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Strip mall, traditional martial art, you know, that you want. You know, and that's not mm-hmm. to say that there aren't karate guys who aren't tough, right? Because there's always the exceptions to the rule and people who go above and beyond this and that. You know, and, and yeah, great example. Yeah. Wonder you know? boy, yeah. And he was able to transfer that into the UFC and, you know, and obviously has fought at a high level, so. Okay, but anyway, um, so first, yeah, just show up. Just put your ass on the mat and go hundreds of hours, you know, because time on the mat, like, you know, I can tell when I've not been in as much or, you know, whatever, that, you know, just the reactions, right? You know, they're just a little dulled. You know, I don't have the quite the reaction time of that hip, or of the this or the that or the other thing, right? You know, um, 
so yeah, you know, first show up, keep showing up, don't stop showing up, you know, and put your time in because you're never going to get, you know, this is a thing that right is, is not like any of those other, you know, arts. If you don't show up, you're not going to get better because you're not punching the air, right? To get your next belt, you don't have to do a dance routine. Again, no offense to the traditional martial arts and their kata. And, you know, hey, that's great. You know, if that gives those kids discipline or, or it gives anybody purpose and they enjoy it, right? Hey, that's cool. People scrapbook. I don't. I don't like it. If it gave me pleasure where I was like, oh, look, I keep all of my family memories. I can look at these and I love it. Okay. You know, whatever floats your boat. It's good with me. Um, But, you know, it's all going to come out in the wash. You know, we hit on that really early on where it was like, this is the one thing. This is the one art where it's like, it's going to come out in the wash. If you, you know, if you're good or you're not good, there's no, you know, you can't hide. You know, you can't hide behind, well, I just have to punch the air. So I can tell you that I punch the air a lot better than you because the air can't tell you, no, he doesn't, or yes, he does, you know. But when we go hop on the mat, you know, You test yourself every single time you roll. How'd you do that night? Eh. Hey, I was on tonight, man. I felt good. You know, just shit was clicking, you know. But some nights, you know, nothing works, you know. I go home. I go, I shouldn't even have that belt. God damn it. You know, what is wrong with me? This sucks, you know. And, you know, we all go through it. And guess what? It doesn't stop after the color of your belt changes, you know. The feedback's always there, and there's always positive, and there's always negative. Right, exactly. feedback loop is always complete. Yep. And it's always going to come. Whether you want it or not, you're going to get it. Because you hop on the mat, Mm -hmm. and you get smashed, you go... Wasn't my round, wasn't my day, you know, whatever. And so, again, just time on the mat. You got to be there. You got to show up. It's like a lot of things in life, a lot of important things in life. You got to show up. You know, it's like parenting, you know. 80% of parenting is showing up. You just got to be there. Make the kid toast. You don't have to bring them to France. Make the kid toast at night, you know. French toast. Maybe French toast. Mm-hmm. You know, but be, you know, they're going to care about the parent who tucked them in, who gave them cough medicine. They're the one, you know, when you're the one that they see, it's not huge actions. It's just you're the one, you know. So, anyway, you know, step one, show up. Put your hours in and don't stop showing up. And that's for all levels. That's for all levels. I think the analogy of what it's like, um, you know, that Marcus gave, I think is really good, you know, 
I don't know that I took it as much of advice of like, you know, for as much as I just took it as, yeah, that's what it's like, you like know, foundation to right, understand, you understand. Yeah. first I got to learn words. Yeah. You know, like, I, like I got to know what language we're trying to speak and I got to know, you know, and I got to learn words, you know, and it's, it's words, sentences, paragraphs, books to poetry, or it's, I got to roll over, I got to stand up, I got to crawl, I got to walk, I got to run, I got to sprint, you know. Pick your analogy. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, any of those just understanding, and I think telling them hopefully helps them understand, you know, of, you know, and it's really the early on guys, right? Like, it's going to get better, but it's not going to get better anytime soon, you know, right? I mean... <laughs> it will, but not not next week, you know. And I've had plenty of friends, and I and 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 one comes to mind, and he was actually Ishmael's, I think his first or second. Um, Tom was one, and this guy was the other, um, and one was one was number one, and like the first or the second guy to ever sign up at at M Theory. Um, he lived kind of in the area and he's like, I kind of want to do that. And I go, here's where you need to go. So he goes and, um, and I used to work with him and he would, and he went like he dove in, but you know, he went five days a week, six days a week, sometimes twice a day. I mean, he jumped right in, you know, and overtrained. He got hurt. He, you know, he, blah, blah, blah. But he would come to me, you know, throughout the time and like, you know, like I, God, I can't remember like four months in where he's like, God, this blue belt just kicked my ass again. And man, I've been going every day and why can't I beat this guy? And why can't I do this and that? And I go, because you've been training for four months. I know, but I go like for five days a week and I can't do this. And I go, well, Okay. So I go flip it around. So if you had your blue belt and some guy who was there for four months came in and tapped you out, what would you think about that? How would your ego like that? Oh, well, uh, yeah, that'd suck. You, go, you wouldn't really have a lot of faith in what you were learning, would you? If this guy, like you've been training, you know, two years, three years maybe even, and this guy comes in in four months and he can, you know, just kind of, you know, no previous training. Again, this was a guy who was, you know, older than me. Yeah. You know, not athletic, not, you know, I'm like, how would you feel if somebody with no previous training, you know, if they were a, college wrestler or something like well you know okay fine that's you know but no previous training four months in to your you know three years what would you think about that oh well yeah i wouldn't like that at all I'm like well that's how it works so um you know though the analogies again of you know you start and it's incremental and it's going to be incremental and you need to to learn those fundamentals. And it's really, 
You know, like I threw out words or, or threw out moves is really essentially kind of what Marcus actually said, right? So you learn words, you learn sentences, now you can write a book, you know, you do this. And then after a black belt, after you can do poetry, well, now you can bend words and you can, you know, you know, change the way that stuff works and means and, you know. Start using a whammy bar. And start using a whammy bar, (laughs) you know. And I guess that really is true, you know. I mean, it's just telling them again and again, though, it's different for everybody, right? And that is one thing that I really appreciate about Ish. Like, he's a great instructor and a great mentor in that, you know, what he tells somebody like me is going to be different than what he tells somebody like Marcus versus what he's going to tell somebody, you know, the mom or the dad or the kid in, you know, kid's class who goes, I think I'll give it a try, you know. All are welcome. All have a place. All have a journey to go on, you know, and all can be successful for what they want it to be. You know, again, there's a place for everybody, you know, and I think it's interesting as the art has grown here and evolved again, like early on again, I mean, 19 years ago, that gym was a rough place because the most, the majority of people there fought. You know, there's a lot of MMA guys there. There's a big, you know, and it was just a rough place to be. And if you didn't, if you weren't okay with that, it didn't matter. Either you were going to become okay with it or you'd probably leave, right? Well, that's changed over time. And again, I think it's just become more inclusive, which I think is good for the art. I think it's good for... I mean, obviously, it's good for business. But, you know, I I have friendships that are so much different with people through martial arts. And Ish is a great example that I I don't have with any anyone else from any other kind of side of my life. Like, I have I have odd kind of pockets of my life. Yeah, in the same way. Yeah, and they yeah, don't always way. intersect much. Actually, usually they don't. Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot of music people don't know that I do this martial arts thing and what that actually means and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you do what? I didn't know that. You know, or, you know, people that I work with in other, um, I own, uh, part of a a business associated to amateur hockey. You know, most people have no idea of that. You know, so, you know, there's music people, there's martial arts people, there's hockey people, there's other work, um, you know, other side stuff that I do that, you know, have no idea of any of the others, you know. You know, you're in a band. I guess you could say it like that, you know, (laughs) you know. Okay. Play some weddings. Yeah, right? And so it's just, so to that end, again, I think depending on who that person is, I think Ish 
has the best way of telling each of them at the different points. Because again, if somebody stays with it, you know, I, you know, you see guys, and I can think of some, you know, you know, even as high as brown belt, who are not super aggressive. They're not. They don't ever compete. They're not coming in the gym five days a week. You know, they're, you know, they're there a couple. They're always great to roll with because you know you're not, you know, at any risk of getting hurt. But their game is is good. They've earned what they've earned. You know that they have, and 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 that's good too. You know, it has evolved over time from being this weird testosterone-driven, you know, cult. Yeah. <laughs> That's really kind of what it was in the early yeah. days. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Because you kind of had to be a little bit nuts to go, this is fun. <laughs> what? You know? Choke. Yeah. Choke me. What do you do with your friends? We choke each other a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that black eye, that bruise, that broken, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and now there's people who do it for all kinds of different reasons and they're all good reasons i mean they're all there after all right and they all end up helping you know having all of those people there help everybody because even the more casual people do a lot to help newbies right they've got knowledge they're safe but you don't leave them with ryan scary ryan right because you know newbies might not return they'd be like uh, that was a different experience. He was in a bad mood that night, and mm-hmm. I did not enjoy myself. All right, you know, and not that the, he would intentionally thrash a yes, yes, you know, yes. newbie. I just use him, you know, as yes. an example of like, right. you know, he can go hard. It'd be you a know, big and flash for sure. Right, you know, and it's just so everybody has a place. And Ishmael has done a great job of creating a culture that helps kind of support that. Nice. So I don't know if that was really that's perfect. A straight forward answer, but you know, show up and learn to manage your expectations and understand that for whatever you want to do, because even if you're on the fast track, you know, I mean, if you're, you know, you're young, you're competitive, you're really driven, you're going to show up six days a week you're going to do every seminar and every tournament to improve yourself and you know all that stuff you're still looking at seven eight years you know that's the low side of things like it's a lot more of a commitment than most people have experienced in other things yeah, you get a job in the tech industry or whatever your gig is, and then a couple of years later, you're the old dog. You're the senior analyst. That's right, like, yeah. Oh, okay, I've been doing this like three, four years. Yeah, well, you know. It's different. Right. You know, and so it just, I think, he does a good job, though, of of kind of managing those expectations for people and laying it out as they come in. Like, this is what jujitsu is like, you know. But that's the reason why it's it's different. If it was easy, it would be called karate. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You know why I knew, Brian, that you were going to be the longest one of these? 
because I stutter. No, why? Well, there's a few extra moments maybe here and there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because in like my second month showing up to M Theory. I talked through the whole class. I wouldn't shut up. I was walking out of after essentials class or something. And you were over there um, dealing with short Tom. Oh, yes. There was short Tom and tall Tom and then regular size Tom, but short Tom moved. Right. And you saw me walking out and I had a shirt with the big number 33 on it. It looked like a football jersey and it said Polk High or Polk County. And you shouted from across the room. You're like, four touchdowns, one game. <laughs> and I, I was reflecting on that after we talked about having you on. I'm like, this is going to go good. This is going to be a good one because he's hip to it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the, the Heisman pose. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's a physical yeah, right. <laughs> in-person yeah. impression. It, yeah, Ed O'Neill's a black belt. Did you see uh, who somebody Long just got Long time there. black belt. Uh, I was going to say this this earlier. Dave Mustaine just got a purple. Did he? Yeah, Dave Mustaine just got a purple belt. Wow. Yeah, it was. It kind of went sad. I know that the guy from Tool trains a lot. He's yeah, yeah. Uh, he's he's had Man, yeah. Man, he was just on Rogan again, so I'm sure it was all talked about and whatnot. He owns gyms. Does he? Yeah, he like he owns a couple of of jujitsu gyms. I think he, again, he's talked about it on Rogan, but. Though Ed actually had his black belt when I started. Yeah, he's like He old was already school. a black belt. Yeah. So yeah. 2002, he already had his black belt. But yeah. he started in the garage. And see, this is the stuff that I can right. completely nerd out on, and I don't mean to keep you late. but No, do it. Dude, this is not um, late. This is what we're here for. Um, I completely nerd out on the old school stuff. Like He yeah. started in Horian's garage. Um, you can find interviews with him on it. Um, but, uh, you know, he had moved out to LA, um, and I think, well, that would have been when they were doing married with children and he, um, somebody tipped him off that, Hey, there's these guys from Brazil and they, you know, do this thing that nobody's ever done. And, um, I don't know if that lined up around because at one point Harian did an interview in Playboy. And it was like, you know, the world's most dangerous man, you know. And so there was a buzz in some circles and this and that. But so, so he got hooked up with them in the garage the old days, right? And um, and began training when they, you know, when they all first moved here, you know. Um, so Eric Paulson, who used to come to the academy every year, usually around the holidays because he's from here, um, who owns csw um he was out there around those years as well um at least a little i think but um ed yeah uh, you know he began like early early days like he was one of the first like outsiders you know like non fighter you know types who who signed up and uh yeah, I mean, he's had his back belt for a long time. Yeah, think about that. The guy from Dutch could have his way with you. That's a great movie reference. <laughs> That's so good, dude. That's, God is like, is he going to go married with children or modern mm-hmm. family? He goes mm-hmm. Dutch. Dutch, baby. Jeez. Super hipster thing to do, just reference a movie nobody's ever heard of. See, I worked I worked for uh, Video Update. Mm-hmm. 
which if you remember them, they were I do. Yeah. They were based out of here. I think they're third or fourth largest chain at the end. Right. Yeah, they're big. Yeah. Back when we had those, and uh, but uh, so it was great to just talk about movies all the time. And oh, totally, man. But it. Uh, I remember one of the best parts of when Pedro used to come every year was after the tests to get invited to go out and eat with him. You know, because then he would sit and tell the stories. And those are the stories, like I heard you guys talk about the early UFC. You know, like those are the stories I love. Like the old school, like the greasy challenge stuff, you know. So... Horian came to California, right? And then it, as different people from the family came, they all kind of said, okay, well, we have enough of us here. So you're going to go here and we're going to send you there. And some guys went out east and some, you know, and that was how Pedro ended up in Utah. Because it does seem You pretty, go up there. Yeah, it seemed pretty random. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like who, who goes to Salt Lake City on purpose? Certainly not back then. Right. And so, you know, he just ended up there like, okay, you go there. And, you know, he, he had never seen snow before. <laughs> He's like, it was crazy. I had never seen snow before. And I went to Utah and all of a sudden, you know, this shit is flying out of the sky. <laughs> you know, he had never, ever seen snow. And, you know, he would tell stories of, you know, People would show up, you know, at the gym all the time, you know. That was where he met Mark Schultz, you know, and who, you know, uh, you know, an uh, Olympic wrestler, and you know, who believed that. Yeah, it's a fox catcher guy. Yeah, you know, and nothing beats wrestling. Except jujitsu, you know. He learned because <laughs> they went at it. Yeah. And Pedro won. And he became his student. He ended up with a black belt. And, um, but he goes, you know, he would tell stories of like, you know, people, okay, at the gym, yep. But they would show up at his apartment and go, well, we're going to fight, you know, because Back in those days, there was the Gracie challenge. And if yeah. you yeah. owned a gym, you had to hold up the deal of, you know, you know, anybody, whatever it was, I think it was 10 grand, you know, if you lost. And he goes, they would show up. He, he's like, I lost the security deposit <laughs> on like my first two or three apartments, you know, that I had in Utah when I moved there because these guys would find out where I lived and would show up and be like, we're fighting, you know? And then the next week you're moving to not have to deal with that. Yeah. Yep. So I love that old school stuff. Yeah, right? man. It's, it's, you know, it's great. It, you know, there were so many personalities. It was just the start of, you know, the internet really, there was still some romance to some of the information because it wasn't right there in front of you all the time. Yeah. 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 Yep. 
you know, I mean, there was no YouTube yet. There were no like, well, I'm going to learn all my moves right here. You know, you had to order some VHS tapes and, you know, or dude, did you see the DVDs are coming out from whoever, you know, and okay, so you buy that one and I'll buy this one and then we'll swap them. Okay, cool. You know, it was just a different time. Yeah. It was a very, very different time. Seems like a good spot. Yeah. Thanks, brother. Thank you. This was a blast. It was fun. You milked that one drink the whole time. Well, I'm nothing if not efficient. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck Sesame Street. I want to be in Kiss.